Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Blog Talk Radio. Tyler flips it out and he completed it. What a grab by Duke Johnson out of the backfield. No holding call. There is a personal foul. Gives the Canes a first down in there. Goes to Duke. The Duke is losing inside the 20 and knocked down at the 15. And the Hurricanes are on the mark. Third and eight. The third and seven now. They've got a first and ten. And back to the ground and a whole lot of running room. Johnson's loose. Another big gain is Johnson going to go over 100 yards with a 25-yard run. 19th time from Hokie territory. Duke Johnson wide open and Duke is gone. Touchdown Miami. Kataya. Now this may end the half right here. He may get it unless Duke gets into the end zone. Touchdown Miami. Duke Johnson in the nick of time. There goes Duke hurdling. Across the 40, another first down, and sweet feet. He made two guys miss before he even got back to the line of scrimmage and picked up 10 yards. Play clock on him. It's okay. They'll fix it up in the running game. Got a career high for the Duke. Johnson inside the 10 and finally run out of bounds. So he runs away from you. He jumps over top of you. He stiff arms you in the face. The Duke was loose at Virginia Tech as Duke Johnson ran wild all over those Virginia Tech Hokies. But now another one of his blockers has gone down. Left tackle Eric Flowers, like Johnson, a junior who was believed likely to declare eligibility for the NFL draft after this season, has an injured knee and will undergo an MRI tomorrow that will determine whether he returns to the field this season. Flowers is the third Miami offensive tackle to go down with a significant injury this season. It's another reminder for guys like Duke Johnson about how fleeting success can be in the college game and why many believe it's an absolute no-brainer that Johnson go pro after his junior season. In the meantime, somewhere back in history, an unknown person had the wisdom to create the phrase, just what the doctor ordered. And when they did that, they were probably thinking about something just like what Duke Johnson and the Miami Hurricanes did Thursday night at the foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains by going into Blacksburg, Virginia, one of the toughest places to play in college football, and totally dominating their old rival, the Virginia Tech Hokies. We won't attempt tonight to convince you that this was the Virginia Tech of old. The days of Michael Vick and Beamer Ball are distant memories right now for the Hokies. But the thoroughness of the victory has had a calming effect on a Canes nation that has felt dismay in the early parts of the season and has been searching for something to feel good about. They found it in Duke Johnson. They found it in the resurgent Canes who host North Carolina this weekend. We will talk about all of that and more tonight as we embark on a new edition of Cane Sport Live, one where it should be much easier to find some happy Canes fans than it was in our futile attempts the past several weeks. Hello again, everybody. I'm Gary Furman, the publisher of Canesport.com, and we once again welcome you to the fastest three hours in Hurricane Sports. As always, this is your show, and it's going to be driven by your participation. We have more than 60 open phone lines, so there's plenty of room for everybody to call in tonight and participate. The call-in number, as always, is 646-595-2048. 
That's 646-595-2048. You should have it on speed dial by now. As always, we ask the fans on the message boards at canesport.com to provide some of the topics and questions to be addressed on tonight's show. Here's some of what they came up with. What will be the impact of the Flowers injury? Should Duke Johnson make the decision to go pro right now? What are Miami's future plans for seating arrangements at a refurbished Sun Life Stadium? Why don't the Hurricanes play games on Friday nights like some other schools in college football, particularly in the Pac-10? I'll answer that one right now. It's because of TV agreements. And the Pac-10 has a deal with Fox that calls for a, a Friday night game. And you'll notice that often ACC teams play on Thursday nights, and that's a byproduct of the TV deal with ESPN. TV dictates when teams play. And there was another question that came in about why the Hurricanes are playing game against North Carolina at 1230 on Saturday and paying tribute to Jim Kelly at such an um, unappealing time. And the answer to that one as well is that Miami had no choice in that matter either, that they were assigned to the ACC network slot at 1230 on Saturday, and that's when they were told to play. More questions. How does Miami keep up financially in what seems to be a true arms race in college football and the ACC with most schools building new structures such as indoor practice facilities? You couldn't help but notice when you were in Blacksburg on Thursday night, this towering indoor practice facility that is um, going up right next to their football stadium. Most teams in the ACC now have them or have them under construction. And today in Dallas, the committee that will determine which college football teams make the four-team playoff at the end of the season met to determine the initial rankings. Two Mississippi teams were ranked in the top four, and Miami was obviously not included in the top 25. But here is something else to ponder as we embark on our show tonight. Only one team that Miami has beaten was ranked in the top 25, and that was Duke at number 24. The teams that beat Miami? Nebraska was ranked 15th. Louisville was ranked 25th, and Georgia Tech was not ranked at all. Miami continues to not even get a single vote in any of the major polls this season, despite their nationally televised victory over Virginia Tech on Thursday. The only thing that looks like it might correct that this season would likely be an upset victory over Florida State. That really seems to be the one single thing that really could save this season for Miami. So load up the phone lines. Let's go. 646-595-2048. 646-595-2048. Let's see if we can find some happy Canes fans out there in addition to our regulars who are disgruntled. And let's start tonight in the 917 where you are now live on Cane Sport Live. Are you with us? Hello. Going once, going twice, you're out of here. All right, let's go to the 678. You're now live on Kane Sport Live. Good evening, Gary. This is Uki08. Hey, what's up, Uki? How are you doing this week? I'm doing all right, man. Having a great week, great week. Um, oh, that's good here. Just want to, uh, you know, uh, give uh, props where props are due. You know, the the team put out a great victory against the Tech. Uh I thought, in my opinion, uh, that that was probably uh, Rat Kaya's best game, and I'm not saying I'm saying it not from a statistic point, just something that I saw from him 
that I hadn't seen from uh, a Canes quarterback probably since Ken Dorsey. Uh, this decision making, and um, it, it could, you know, the Canes looked like they were just going to run Virginia Tech out of the out of the stadium, and uh, you know, it's easy to to want to be part of that, you know, get to, to want to get a piece of that, and he could have forced some throws, and I saw him make some throws out, just throwing it away, you know, throwing it through the uh, in the back of the end zone. I thought that was pretty, you know, what I'm saying, pretty uh. <laughs> You know what? You know what? Awesome. The thing, the thing that I really liked was not just his decision making, but the fact that he's making his decisions quicker every week. That the process seems to speed up for him, and and he's really getting pretty darn good. I mean, a couple of those throws uh, and the quickness that he released the ball on those throws when he was blitz, and, um, particularly the two to Duke Johnson, was really impressive. And, and you're right, he is starting to look very Dorsey like. Yeah, man, and, you know, that's, that's just something I haven't seen here in a long time. You know, I know a lot of people want to critique and kind of, um, you know, uh, make, you know, pick out a little a lot of stuff that he's doing that he may not do correctly. But, you know, I, I'm convinced that, you know, over the, over, over the spring and the full year of uh, being in the system that he's going to get even better. I mean, you know, this, for what he's doing and, you know, he hasn't really been in the system that long. He's He's looking like he's looking amazing. So, you know, I only see nothing but uh, great things for for him going in the future. Um, yeah, hey, Uki, you're gonna have, somebody's gonna have to dig really deep to find things that he's not doing well. Yeah, but it's, I mean, it's been awesome. You know, um, can't wait to see what the future looks like with him. Uh, another thing, um, not calling to nitpick about anything, but there was a discussion that that was on the recruiting board, and um, many people for pointing out that we have never done well in Palm Beach County in recruiting. Now, I beg to differ about that. And um, I'm originally from Detroit, but I went to school at Dwyer High School. And um, and over the years, I've noticed that we have done well in Palm Beach County. I would have to say uh, prior to maybe Urban Meyer coming to Florida, it's kind of when things started to kind of go the other direction from Miami. But I mean, if you look at players like uh, James Jackson, I believe he's from Bell Glade, uh, Vince Wilfork, uh, Mike Rump, Devin Hester, Jason Gathers, I can go on and on. Even my classmate Rashard Butler from DeWire, we have done very well and successful in Palm Beach County for many reasons that, that you can you can point out. But that is part of South Florida, whether people want to acknowledge that or not. And we, I feel like. A lot of times we have this this uh, attitude about, oh, we can't get them all and everything like that. But, Gary, you even pointed it out, I think, last week. It's not about getting them all. It's about being in the fight for some of the top players in this uh, thing that we call the state of Miami. So, and we haven't been, we haven't been in the fight for a lot of these kids. We lost a, a pretty good linebacker who I feel – to, uh, to Notre Dame, and even though people will say that we were really in the hunt for him, he did have Miami in that in that uh, in that um, top three of his. I mean, but so you know, I just you know, I just want to see us do better area going forward. Well, you know, Palm Beach Canes right now, um, you're looking at really only four of them: Marquise Gayat, um well, really five: the two McDermott brothers. Um, Walford and, and Daryl Langham. So that's five guys. Um, 
you know, I don't know. I mean, I don't think they've done as well as they would like to do in Palm Beach County. I think an enormous amount of talent has gotten away from that area and as well as Dade and Broward as well. And, and, you know, there's no question that they can do better than, than what's been done there. And that's been part of, um, you know, my discussion whenever people have talked about does Al Golden need to make any staff changes or things like that, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, I think it starts with recruiting and I think he needs more recruiters on the staff. And yeah. they need to do a better job. I mean, you know, you look at guys like a kid like Eddie Jackson, for example, who's starting a cornerback right now for Alabama. I mean, he was he was not even recruited by Miami. They they just totally botched that one and didn't even identify him well enough in, in recruiting and get in on him until really the like the last week. I think was when the when they first had any real meaningful conversations at all with Eddie Jackson. And, you know, you mentioned mm-hmm. now you've got a, you, you've got a need at linebacker. You've got the Coney kid uh, committed to um, Notre Dame. You know, that's tough when you've got a, a, a guy at a position of need from the state of Miami and you're losing him to Notre Dame. You know, um, you know those are the types of things where they're just going to have to do better if they're yeah. going to become a more successful program under Al Golden. Because yeah, I mean, I, the people talking about you know that we are we are we should be fine at linebacker. No, we're not going to be fine at linebacker. Because every time we say that, then that, then another season comes along, and then we like depth or talent at a position. Then everybody says, oh, we got to do better recruiting at this position. I mean, there that, there's obvious holes on this team, and if we're going to take that next step forward, and and we all know it's on defense, we have to push you know push for more talent on that defensive side of the ball. Just saying that we can't get them all is not enough. We have to, at some point, uh, you know, start competing for some of these kids and really start making, making, uh, you know, making our stamp in the recruiting front. Now, these next games going forward are very important to Miami. I know a lot of people out there uh, don't, you know, not really supporting Golden, but we need to really get behind this team because it's, it's you know, whether there's going to be changes made at the end of the season. You know, that's here and there to know. So, you know, we need for them to do well and for the defense to do well so it can show that there's some improvement and we can get some of these kids, these big-time recruits on deep, on the defensive side to start taking notice of, at Miami because that's the only way things are going to change until the obvious changes are made on the offseason for the defense. Well, you can't certainly have hiccups in the three games that everybody expects you to win. And and that would obviously be North Carolina this weekend, at Virginia, and then against Pittsburgh in the season finale. Uh, yeah, I think it's safe to say you have to – those three are must-win victories. Now, I don't think there's a lot of people out there that expect Miami to beat Florida State. I personally think they can be competitive in that game and have a chance. Um, but I don't think a lot of people out there in college football do. So, I- in reality, if you're evaluating is a nine-win season – more significant than an eight-win season. Um, I'm not really that sure it is, to be honest with you. I mean, uh, you know, I'm kind of in the middle on that one. But I, you know, I'm not sure that winning nine instead of eight is going to put them in the game for elite defensive recruits. I think beating Florida State might help them do that and, and would certainly open some doors out there in December and January. Um, but really, to me, that's all there is. I think that opportunity has gone a little bit by the wayside this season by falling so behind the eight ball early, not being in the rankings, not being in the, in any, you know, meaningful, uh, bold discussions or anything in college football. Um, it's another season of irrelevance, Uki. 
Um, and until Miami gets to the point where they're not, where they are relevant again, it's going to be really hard to compete nationwide for some of the elite defensive recruits. Um, and they're going to continue losing some of the local ones, like what you mentioned in Palm Beach County. Sir, uh, thank you for the uh, thank you for my chance to uh, come call in. Um, you have a good night. Keep me on hold, please. All right, Uki. Hey, thank you for being part of the show. Give us a call again next week. All right, um, we're going to move on now to the um, 754, where you're now live on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing tonight? What's happening, Gary? How are you feeling? Doing good. Who's this? My name is Jerome, Gary. Gary, I haven't called in uh, the last uh, three weeks or so, but Gary, I'm back on board with you, and uh, I, I, I'm looking at this game coming up against, uh, you know, North Carolina. You know, and it seems that, you know, North Carolina, they got a quarterback with experience, and uh, – he he operates very well. Had a shot at Notre Dame, to be honest with you. But uh, Gary, what 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 are we going to bring to the table as far as offensive? You know, replacing uh, uh Eric Flowers at, at the left tackle. I know moving Jonathan over to that side, but who 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 would we move over to the right side? Um, well, it looks like Trevor Darling is gonna is gonna get the opportunity to to play quite a bit on on Saturday and and. You know, Trevor's been doing well. I mean, Trevor stood out to me in summer camp, you know, for a true freshman, and now he's had eight weeks in the regular season to keep getting better. Um, they, they've really spoken very highly of him as a scout team performer this year. And Trevor should be ready. I'm not saying he's never going to get beat. He's a true freshman. But, um, you know, very much how you've seen uh, Nick, Nick, Nick Linder go in there and do a great job as a true freshman, I think you're going to see Trevor Darling um, do the same thing. I don't think that'll be too big of an issue, um, except maybe in the Florida State game where you start getting into a little bit of a higher caliber of athletes on the defensive front. Um, North Carolina's defense is very average. Um, I don't think that it'll have a huge impact this Saturday. I think Miami's offense should be able to go out there and, and play a pretty solid game against North Carolina. Yeah, I'm 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 confident about the offense, Gary. It's just a you know, when we're on defense, you know, the other night against Virginia Tech, I I, I did point out the fact that I've seen some, you know, pretty good tackling, bringing guys down right when they got the ball. And, you know, I, I didn't see the, 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 as usual, not saying Virginia Tech is all that good, but at the same time, I got to say, we, I've seen some, you know, I see them stop some guys right on, right on point when they get the, uh, cut the momentum right off the, right off the bat. So, that was a good thing to see. Uh, hopefully, it can carry over to this next game uh, with North Carolina. But uh, Gary, recruiting, turning to recruiting, you, you hit on that Palm Beach thing. That that's that, that is an area we haven't done as well. And some of the elite schools have come through here and gotten uh, talent out of here, and, and we're slipping pretty much in the in the Broward and and, and day, but. Winning kills it all, uh, Gary. Winning kills it all. When you start winning, like you say, and being relevant, it, it changes. The uh, recruits want to see, uh, you know, they they want to be a part of what what you got going on. And hopefully, uh, we'll 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 restore this. Hopefully, we'll restore this. But when you're saying that there's not enough recruiters on the outgoing staff, can you clear that up a little bit? When you, I mean, with the the coaches, you're saying you you don't think that's I think they could be more competitive on the national level than what they are. And, you know, I, I think particularly on defense, there's a big premium on that. I mean, uh, a lot of competition for the best defensive players, but it's the teams that get them 
that are um, that'll fare the best on Saturdays. And and I, I just think they need to become more competitive on a national level for defensive linemen and linebackers, and you know even to a lesser extent DBs because there's so many of them in South Florida that you can usually put a pretty good DB core together to just scare your home turf. Um, but defensive line linebackers, they often have to look outside of the Tri-County area, and, and I just think that they would benefit if they had guys that were doing a better job in those spots. And, you know, I'm not, you know, I'll, I'll apologize to the, the guys that are doing it right now, but, you know, we're sitting here evaluating what does Miami need to do to get the program to the next level now in what's going to be going into year five of Al Golden's tenure, and you know, that's how you have to look at it. You know, you, you, you know, it's not about somebody's feelings or, you know, there, there's a four year body of work now um, for the guys that are coaching on the defensive side of the ball. And um, I, I think at the end of the day, everybody, you know, certainly would agree without turning tonight's conversation totally back into the uh, failures of the defense, because they did play pretty well at Virginia tech, but to be competitive on a national level, and start being mentioned in top 25 and top 10 rankings and, and get back to being a team that can compete for the national title, I don't think anybody disagrees that in every area they need to get much better on defense. Yes, I, I agree with you. And, and, Gary, I just hope they learned a lesson from with the, the, the ordeal with uh, Michael White that if they're going to get a J.C. guy, make sure he can get in here in January and not let, let him go, you know, have that long period of way way off from the program and then come in in the summer and he's way behind condition wise and everything that you know it you know I'm not so big on JC but if you're going to do that they got to get in here in spring it's paramount man it's it's Look, no other way Jerry it's got to happen you know they they expected when they recruited Michael Weiss they expected him to be there in January and it kept getting pushed back and kept getting pushed back I mean if I'm going to question something about Michael Weiss's recruitment it's not going to be that because, like I said, they did expect that. I'm wondering whether Michael Weish is a good enough football player that he should have been the guy that they were bringing in here to solve their running game problems. Because yeah, I mean, he is—he doesn't look very good. Okay, now yeah, good you know, point. maybe a year. Yeah, I mean, maybe a year from now he'll look better and, and, and make somebody look like a genius. Right now, Michael Weish has gone through the first eight games of the season and really has done absolutely nothing. Okay. And so, uh, that, mm-hmm. that's, that, that's not good when you talk about a guy that was identified and recruited to come in here and solve a problem this season that has lingered and been largely responsible for at least two, if not all three, of the losses that are on the board right now. Yeah, yeah. And uh, hopefully, like I say, they learned the lesson from this. Or, or either, because, Gary, it'll be hard to get a true freshman. I, when you go that route and you're saying a true freshman that come in, I know the kid from New Jersey has came in and played in uh, number 92, but, but it, it's kind of hard to get on on this level because the SEC, they they, throw, they, they, they seem to get all of the, the big top guys that, you know, we got to get in there and roll up our sleeves and fight with these SEC schools and pull some of these guys away. That's, it's, yeah, that's, all, that's what it all comes down to. If that doesn't change, it's very hard to progress past – the level where you're at. I mean, you can look over at the Tampa area this year where you've got Byron Cowart and C.C. Jefferson, two of the top defensive linemen in the country right here in state. You know, they're considering Florida. They're considering Florida State. They're not considering Miami. And and that's what has to change for this program 
Um, they have to get back in the game for kids like that, certainly within the state. And then they also have to be able to go into places like Georgia, New Jersey, uh, Pennsylvania, some of the other hotbeds of recruiting, and, and get some of those types of players. Exactly. Hey, Gary, uh, you a great show as usual, man. If you don't mind, leave me on hold, man, so I can listen. You have a blessed week, Gary, and I hope to bump into you Saturday. You got it, man. I'll be there, and um, thanks for being part of the show. All right, 646-595-2048 is the number. 646-595-2048 is the number. We'll be here up until 11 o'clock this evening. Um, so plenty of room for everybody to call in and be part of the show. Let's go now to the 205, where you're now live what? on Kane Sport Live. What's up, Gary? Doing good. Who's this? This is Big Slaughter, man. How you doing? All right, Slaughter, how you doing this week? I'm good, man. I'm I'm happy this week. I'm a little I'm a little joyous this week. I, I figure you know. I I'm I'm figuring everybody's <laughs> going to be happy cuz it's no it, you know, it's no fun being miserable and you know, you guys have been through a lot this 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 year. No no question about it as fans and um but that was a really impressive performance for the most part yeah. on on Thursday night. And the thing that that I really liked Slaughter was when the defense got itself in trouble and wasn't playing as well in the second half. Those kids uh-huh. forced Forced turnovers, slaughter, and and, and exactly. that was, those were three huge fumbles in the third quarter. And you know, I don't think it was a case of Virginia Tech being careless or whatever. I mean, you know, that Deion Bush strip was a big time play. That Denzel Perriman hey, hit. Perriman hit. Was that was that hit. was. Yeah, those it reminded me of that Florida hit when he put on that um, running back from Florida. Yep, those were forced <laughs> turnovers, and, and that's what I thought was really impressive. Because they didn't play as well in the second half as they did the first half. And Virginia Tech made some adjustments at halftime and was moving the ball pretty good at times in that third quarter. And But but when they got back down, they found a way to make a play. And to me, you know, I thought that was progress. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, I got I to give props when props do. I mean, I can see they play, um, they're coaching with a sense of urgency now. Um, you know, they, they, they feel the seat's getting a little warm on them. But I was more more so impressed with James Coley, man. Um, he he has really evolved, you know his you know as a as an offensive coordinator, you know. Uh, he has just being able to adjust. He seen what Virginia Tech weakness was that he capitalized on. He didn't try to come do something different. That just shows a great coach, you know. He, you're he, absolutely he, right. He came, you know, they had a very normal came, game plan. The, the game plan was normal slaughter and. Because of what Virginia Tech was doing on defense, they had to totally adjust, and that's why they went to the running game so predominantly. Because that's what Virginia Tech was giving them. Exactly. He 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 seen that, and he wasn't stubborn. He adjusted. Okay, you want you don't want us to throw? Okay, we're gonna run it down your throat. You see what I'm saying? And that's what yeah, I like give, about James Coley. He doesn't have too much props, to give, change hey, things hey, up. Slaughter, Slaughter, give props to Brad Kaya on that too, because yeah. there were a oh, lot yeah. of times. When they had pass plays called, and he went up there and checked to the running play. And uh, I mean, I, I, you know, I have—he's just, he just one of those—he's kind of like—he's kind of like Peyton Manning to me. You don't have to give props to him because he—you don't have to know what he's gonna do. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not saying he—he he at that level yet, but I expect—you know—I'm I'm comfortable with him now. I know he's gonna make the right decisions. But you well, know, how about this? How about this slaughter? Think about this for a minute. Virginia Tech, Bud Foster, one of the best defensive coordinators in college football, when he was game planning for Miami. He game planned to take away Brad Kaya. He didn't game plan to, to take away the, the running game 
with Duke Johnson. He game-planned to take away Brad Kaya and the explosive plays. And the reason he did that slaughter was the previous two weeks, they were averaging 10 yards a play and 8 and 9 yards a play. Yeah. And, and and they you know they decided we cannot give up yardage like that to this team. Let's make them earn it you know, and grind it out on us. And that's what they did, and Miami was able to do it. True, but I got a I got a question though, Gary. I um, I mean, I seen you know Baylor. I seen Baylor play. You know they don't have a they don't have a good defense. But why does the media show them more love than they show us? Because they're they don't like play a, no they're one. A sexy they don't play team anyone. They don't, but they, but they're they're just like a sexy team right now. I think because of the style of offense they play, and you know going back to RG three and and and, and yeah. that whole aura and stuff. They're they're just a sexy team right now. It, it, Miami will become sexy again too if it takes care of the business. Yeah, I mean, I just, I, I, I it makes me smile because you know, when you have a great quarterback, your your team just looks a to, look totally different. It just feels good to finally have a quarterback that you're just like, yes, I don't have to worry about my quarterback throwing picks now. Because every time Morris used to throw, every time, you know, other guy used to throw, I used to be like, man, oh, my God, he's going to throw a pick. But this guy makes the right decision, man, and that's so good to finally see. And, you know, I'm, I'm still critical of, you know, the defensive side of the ball, man, but I just, just got to give the coaching staff props for, you know, for, for, for making the changes and adjustment that was needed to get the victory. Hopefully they can still play like this and get this, you know, get the victory against North Carolina, man. You know, just just – Get a fan something, a product to watch, man. That's all I ask. I just, if we lose, just let's be competitive. You know, let's lose on a, a Hail Mary or something. Let's not just get, you know, getting ran over 500 yards. That's embarrassing. You see what I'm saying? If I can take a loss, a close loss, but I can't take a blowout. Well, I, I think the problem, the, the problem with those games wasn't even just getting run for 500 yards. It was the fact that they didn't, they didn't do anything to try to stop it. You know they didn't, they didn't put the kids in no, no 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 they didn't put the kids in a position to be successful. No, and that's why everybody was so upset, and uh, and that's why right now that, that this program is not getting respect on a national level. Yeah, I can I, I understand that, but you know who played? Oh uh, man, do you, do you really feel like? Um, I know you said this before. You, do you um, think that? Um, What's the kid's name? Number five, linebacker, Grace, Jermaine Grace. What, Jermaine what, Grace. What, what, you think of, what you think about him right now? I knew you thought he was, you know, really small, and you don't know if he'd be able to. He he looks to me like he's gained about five ten pounds. He's he's a little bit bigger than what he was um, in the spring, and and the big thing to me that's allowing him to be so successful is the way they're using him. And you know, people criticize Mark D'Onofrio. Um, like it's a sport, and I understand that. And I understand why, but there's times where you got to give him credit. And the way he's using Jermaine Grace, he deserves a lot of credit for because yeah. he's put that kid in in a position to shine. And, and Jermaine yeah. Grace is doing a much better job. He struggled a little bit early in the year with his assignments; wasn't really as sharp in, in his playbook as as maybe he should have been. Um, but the last few weeks, he's been playing at a much higher level. And I got one more thing for you. Your boy, um, number 17, he's looking like a, he's making some plays for us now. He's doing okay. You know, I, 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 I mean, listen, I, you know, I don't, I, I'm going to be honest with you. He's not, this is not an impact defensive end, okay? I don't know, I don't no, know. I'd have to, you know, I have to double you check it. And, I, and I'll, I'll double got, check it while we talk your slaughter. But he doesn't have a, I don't think he has a sack. 
but he's just been he's just been around the ball. He's been making plays. He's been very disruptive. He plays he's been hard. Very disruptive. He, he's a good he, kid. He he plays hard and he cares. Um, yeah. But he but he probably should have been a linebacker, and, and instead of a defensive end, and and you know, like you know, just it, it's hard for him physically at times uh, to make that big of an impact. Okay, I got you, man. But yeah, man, you know, I had to call in this week, man. It's good talking to you, man. I'm trying to catch me a I'm trying to catch me a home game. I'm trying to come down to the Florida State game. I'm trying to get some days off, so and hopefully I can make it. I get the you know we can you can. Meet me up for some drinks or something, man. We can rap. We can talk some football, talk some sports. <laughs> not, a, not a problem. Hey, All um, right, man, keep of, hold, yeah. Here's what I'm going to tell you about Tyreek McCord, and then I'll put you on hold. Um, okay. Let me, um, let me just find the defensive stats uh, real okay. quick for you. Um, you know, he's, he, as you know, he has started all eight games. He's got a total of – he's been involved in 28 tackles in eight games, Okay. So he's giving you three, four tackles a game. Some, you know, in in that in in, in that ballpark. He he was he's got one sack for a three yard loss that he kind of you know had, fell into his lap. Okay, yeah. that's not real good, man. I mean, you know, to start eight games, three three four tackles a game and one sack. I mean, one sack on the entire season. I mean, you know, I can't. I can't sit here and tell you that that's a level that's going to be good enough to compete, you know, for conference and national titles. It's not. I, I understand. I just think the kid's playing with a lot of heart right now. He's around the ball. He's just oh. being disruptive. You know, that's, no that's the part I'm making. You know, he's just he's around the ball. And every time I see him, he's around the ball. And that's what not, I like. He's no question. Effort. He gives a ton of effort every single yeah. time. No, no beast. It, it, nobody can have any beefs with the effort that that Tyreek McCord gives on the football field. All right, but he said, but he is an average player. He's not. A, yeah. He's not. A, he's not an impact player. He's not going to be. Probably should have redshirted his freshman year. Yeah. Probably should have been a, a linebacker. Kids for the redshirt. Yeah. Probably you know, should have been one of those deals, man. They got to do a better job at redshirting these guys. You know, like like um like the running back um. Chocolate. They should have redshirted him. They wasted, you know, wasted a year. They're not going to play him. You know, it's it's kind of you know, that's part of frustrating. You know, let's build some depth. I kind I mean, I hate the fact that Rashawn Scott had to get hurt to get redshirted, but a lot of these guys get redshirted because of injury. Really, you're going to really see the difference with them with with those guys. You know, having an extra year. You know, so, yeah, Rashawn Scott. It was a blessing in disguise. It was a blessing in disguise. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, but yeah. He should be a big-time receiver next year. I I agree. Yes, sir. Yeah. But all um, right, man. It was nice talking to you, man. Let's get some of these other canes on. You know, and I, all right. But this I'm going to end. I'm going to end every, um, every time I call. I'm going to end it with the bird call, baby. What's that mean? That's them canes, baby. That's oh, okay. Bird. We the, we the Ibis, right? That's the bird <laughs> right. call. I got you. I didn't, I, I didn't know that's. I didn't know that's what the ibis sounds like, but all right. No, uh, you know. I, I don't. I don't know what it sounds like, but that's how it sounds like to me. <laughs> okay, that's, that's, and that's good enough. All right, Slaughter. Yes, hey, thank you. Thank you for being part of the show again. Uh, give us a call again next week. Oh, all right. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I, I'm, boy, does any? I wonder what an ibis does sound like. I'm about to do some research on that. Six four six five nine five two zero four eight six four six 
595-2048. Some great points made by Big Slaughter from Birmingham, Alabama. Um, Now let's go over to the 850. That's Tallahassee Town, uh, where they've got a little bit going on yet again. Um, uh, Pretty, pretty, pretty interesting uh, happenings up there in Tallahassee. In the 850, you are now live on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing tonight? You with us? Going once, going twice. Well, we won't we won't make any cheap comments at, at his expense. Let's go to the eight four five. You're now live on Kane Sport Live. Yeah, Gary, how you doing? Greg. What's up, Greg? How you doing this week? Good. I just wanted to ask you a question. Um what do you think how is it possible that Mississippi and Mississippi State can get to the top of college football so out of nowhere? And Miami's stuck in the mud. They've won and Miami's lost. If Miami had beat Nebraska and beat Louisville and beat Georgia Tech, Miami would be in the top in the top four conversation also. I understand that, but you you watch, you've seen Mississippi and Mississippi State play. How do you think we would stack up against them? We get mauled, we get murdered. They have too yeah, much I mean, size and. But you, um, Dan Marlin, how many years has he been at Mississippi State? Is that four years? No, more than that. I think he's been there more More than four. Yeah, I'd have to look it up, but he's been there more than four. You know, I don't know that they would get stampeded, to be honest with you. I think those teams would have some problems with some of the things that Miami does well. And I think you've got to wait and evaluate the whole body of work of their seasons as they go forward. I mean, um, Ole Miss did a great job in their game against Alabama. Um, Alabama didn't play as well on the road that day um, as they would have liked. Um, I don't think Ole Miss is a better team than Alabama is, but that day they played better. Um, But I think you'll see them have a a couple losses before the year is out. Um, Mississippi State, I believe, has to go um, to Tuscaloosa in a couple weeks um, and play a tough game on the road. Um, I and think that would be. Auburn, or Mississippi's playing Auburn this week. Yeah, so you know, I think at the end of the day, you're going to see you know those teams sitting there with two, two, three losses themselves. Um, but to answer your question, why do they get respect? Um, it's because they've been winning, and it's because they play in the SEC, where respect is automatic. You know, I mean, you know, you come out of the gate um, in in the case of Mississippi State, seven and zero. You're going to get respect, but uh, I think that the, the biggest thing that did it for them was when they beat Auburn very handily. Um, thir- I, I, yeah, the score was 38-23 in, in, in that game, and, and, and that was you know people think very highly right now of Auburn, so that was a, a big win for them. But they really didn't play much at a conference. I mean, you look at their schedules; they, they start out with Southern Miss, then they play UAB, and then they play South Alabama. So they really didn't play anything out of conference, um, but they went to LSU and won in a in a very tough place to play. They won a tight game at LSU back at the end of September. Um, everyone's beaten Texas A&M this year, but they took care of business at home against Texas A&M, and then they came back the next week at home and and like I said, they they beat Auburn. So that's why they're sitting there at seven and zero. They've beaten Auburn and LSU, and that's why they're ranked number one. Um, but I, I do think that, um, you know, that game at Alabama 
is going to be problematic for them. And then, of course, they play Ole Miss in the last game of the year um, at Ole Miss. So those two in particular, I think, are going to be tough outs for Mississippi State. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if, if even Arkansas uh, this weekend gave them a, a tough game in, in, in Starksville. Um, so they, they've got three tough games left. They're sitting there at uh, at 7-0, and and um, – I wouldn't. I would expect them to lose at least. I, I would say two games before the end of the year. I think they'll lose right, to Alabama, me, and, and I think they'll lose to Ole Miss. Okay. Now, my next question is: What do you think the chances, uh, one to ten, that Duke Johnson comes back next year? Um, honestly, I, I hope they're they're a one. I, I hope there's no chance that Duke comes back for Duke. You know, just looking out for Duke, a great young man. Um, I've discussed this with several NFL people that I know, and um, everyone's universal in the opinion that Duke Johnson has absolutely no business coming back to school for another season. He's done and showed everything he's going to show and do, um, and it's it's he's a running back, and running backs can't stay for extra seasons. Running backs got to go and strike when they can, and it 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 to me it is time from my evaluation for Duke Johnson to go to the national football league. Um, obviously from the hurricane standpoint, they would love to have him back for another year, but they've got year B they've got Gus Edwards playing really well. Um, you mentioned Trayon gray. Um, if recruiting holds together, you've got a, a really impressive Jordan Scarlett coming in. You've got Mark Walton, another really impressive back coming in Dexter Williams. So you've got three really good freshman backs right now in the recruiting class to go with what's already there. Um, they won't be, you know, out of the gate. Be um, have the impact that Duke Johnson is obviously having on this program. Um, but I, I think that everybody should be wishing for Duke Johnson to go out, um, just because that's really what's in his best interest. So you don't think it'll be like Santana Moss and those guys who stayed for their senior year? When you're a running back, it's thought, different. It's different than being a I receiver. Know, I get you, but there's. Um, the guy from Georgia going to go in the draft, and we got the guy from uh, Wisconsin. You got Abdullah. Yeah, I no, mean, Duke, where's he Duke's going to go late gonna go second. In the draft? He's going to go late second or third, most likely. Uh, I hope he. I, I mean, I think he. I think he could be the best running back in the history of Miami football. And uh, I mean, how do you think it would if he announces he's going to come back? You think these other three? Uh, recruits will shy away from Miami? One of them might. You might see one of them drop. But, you know, right now, I, I, I like I said, I, I think once Duke starts getting advice and, and assessing his options, that there's only one decision for him to make. Well, If he, uh, if he was your son, you would want him to go to I, the NFL. I, I agree. I, I want the best for him because he, he seems like a really classy kid. Classy, really nice kid, and he deserves the best. And, you know, there's really – there's just no reason from the – he's not going to be a better player in college next year than he is right now. Okay, I got one last thing. I just want to – we have Ice Harris on our staff, and there's kids at Booker T. Washington that are really good players, like this Devontae Davis and this Callaway kid, how come we can't get these kids to commit to Miami? Doesn't he have any pull with these kids? His son's the head coach. I'm I'm sure he does, 
and I'm sure that as recruiting moves forward, um, I would be surprised if Miami didn't get both of those kids. You know, well, I, at the at the end of the day, if I, I would be very surprised if they're not Hurricanes. Well, I hope you're right because we have no. What do we have? Just Jaquan Johnson is our only defensive back recruit this year so far. So far, right now, yeah. Well, but, you we know, need more remember, because, recruiting, recruiting cranks up in December. Well, and you're going to see a few we, guys. You'll see a few guys on the board right now that'll drop off, and you'll see some new additions. Well, if we, if we beat Florida State, I think the recruiting will zoom. Yeah, I really do. Yeah, All I right, agree. can you put me on hold? I really thank you for your time. Not a problem. You'll be on hold. Thank you. All right, 646-595-2048. Once again is the number. Let's go now to the 917. You're now live on Team Sport Live. How are you doing this week? Hey, Gary. What's up? BK Hurricane. Hey, what's up, BK? How are you doing? Hey, what's up, BK? Uh, I'm doing all right. I'm just watching TV, listening to you guys. Um, NBA season listen, starts tonight, really huh? Uh, you, got, you, you got NBA, you got the six. Yeah. Season. There's a lot to watch tonight. Yeah, I'm getting ready for everything. <laughs> it is, it is. Gary, um, I just wanted to say a couple of things. Uh, one, uh, the job Ice Harris is doing as our running back coach now. Uh, I got to give what Gus Edwards is doing. You know, you know, I got to give Ice Harris a lot of props for that because he was really looking like a bust, really, before Ice Harris kind of took over the running back uh, coaching spot. What do you think about that? Um, I never felt he was looking like a bust. I always um, saw he's come a long way. He he had a really good summer. He he looked very good in in fall camp. Um, but that said, I do think Ice Harris is doing a phenomenal job with the running backs. You really can't say anything negative about any of them. Uh, Duke Johnson's playing great. Um, Yearby is a true freshman playing great, and Gus Edwards um, as a second year guy playing great. So. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, Tim Harris, what are you going to criticize? He's doing a great job. Now, yeah. now in addition to that, you got to see him get it done in recruiting. He's got to land those two kids at Booker T. Got to. Got, got to. to. Um, and, one, yeah, one sleep, other thing. Uh, else, just to throw something else out at you. Don't sleep on Devontae Phillips at Miami Central. I, I really think at the end of the day, there's a great chance that, that kid could end up in, in the class. I hope so. <laughs> I really hope so. Cause what is he? Um, what is he? Um, a Florida State or Florida guy right now? I mean, they've been rumoring Florida State, but he's not, you know, really committed to anywhere. And you know, I mean, he doesn't come without risks. I mean, he's he's one of those kids that, that's had a pretty tough youth and and, and some issues there. Um, but I I just think at the end of the day that he's a local Dade County kid that that's going to end up at Miami. And, and they'll yeah. give much- I mean, I really hope. I really hope so because, um, I mean, uh, like what we're recruiting on offense to me is just totally amazing. Like we we have like a hundred offensive tackles already committed. I mean, that's what it seems like. The number is crazy. Like in a couple of years, if this keeps up, we'll have the best offensive line probably in the country. Definitely in the ACC. 
You know, like you know, you could always find talent at wide receiver. In, you might have the best offensive you know, line in South Florida right now before if before Eric Flowers got hurt. Miami's been playing yeah, as well up front fine. on the offensive line as anybody in the ACC this year. Yeah, you're definitely right about that. I mean, Listen, now the only asterisk, Florida had a lot of the the only asterisk guy. I'll put on I'll put on that statement is I have not been able to really watch Clemson a ton. I mean, I saw I saw a little bit of their game against Georgia. I saw a little bit of their game against Florida State, and you know their offensive line might be playing at a supreme level. But of all the teams that I've seen, I mean, Miami's offensive line has been probably better than any of them. You are 100% right. Um, and, you know, I guess we got to give a little credit slaughter. to Tech, too. you got to give some credit to Georgia Tech, too. You know, they, they put up some big numbers. Yeah. Well, you know, it's more of their scheme. You know, that you know that scheme that they run, I'm not sure if it's their offensive line, but it's more – might be the you know you know the type of offense that they run. Yep, I agree. All right, um, listen. That caller slaughter had a lot of good points. He, yeah, that caller oh, slaughter a had a lot time. of good points. Slaughter's a big time guy, man. I had the chance to meet him um, earlier this year um, at one of the road games, and uh, and he is uh, he's a big time guy with a lot of knowledge. I, I think it was a Georgia Tech game where I where I had the opportunity to speak to him for a little bit, and uh, yeah, no, he's a knowledgeable guy and. Huge fan and calls the show every week, and he yeah he always makes good points. Yeah, like those um, like one of the points he said was like you know the guys that we should have redshirted now we got like a blessing in disguise with um, with uh, Scott Jenkins and you know even AQM he's back next year. Now those are three guys that really should have redshirted anyway. So I'm really curious to see how they pan out next year, especially Jenkins at at you know at safety. You know, yep. they'll have two years left. And those kids should be training like maniacs right now. Jenkins and Muhammad, and, <laughs> you know, they should be training like there's no tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. And didn't and didn't La, um didn't Darryl Langham redshirt also? And and Herndon? Um, it looks like they are you know, I'm trying to remember if they put Herndon in a game earlier this year. Um Langham it does look like is is gonna be able to redshirt. Um I believe I you know I think Herndon's gonna gonna redshirt, but they may have put him in one of those games earlier yeah, this year. I remember year. reading somewhere he may have redshirted. I remember reading that. I'd he, have to double check that. I would have to double check him. I can't remember if he was in a game or yeah. not. Um, and and that'd be integral because we use too many guys. Like we blown too many redshirts this year. Oh, I totally too agree. Many, I mean, too many redshirts are blown player. left and right. Yeah, I I totally agree with you. Um, and and Hern, Herndon really is going to be a very good player. Him. Yeah, he's going to be good. Yeah. All right. Uh, last and final note. Listen. Um, I'm just hoping that. Um, I don't understand what's going on in terms of the defensive recruiting. Like how we could, you know, get so many recruits so quickly and easily on the offensive side of the ball as opposed to defensive side of the ball. I don't think necessarily – well, I'm hoping that they're just not missing out or I think they're just getting in too late in the game with with the defensive side of the ball. I, I think there are not a lot of elite prospects on the defensive side of the ball in South Florida, and I think that that is affecting it as much as anything. You know, South really? Florida – well, the, the, yeah, I mean, 
you know, you're talking about a couple DBs, uh, Carlton Davis at New Orleans, um, Devontae Davis at, at Booker T. I mean, those are two DBs that you would definitely want. Uh, Tim Irvin, Westminster Right, Christian. we have Jaquan Johnson already. Yeah, yeah and we you've got Jaquan, Jaquan Johnson. Johnson uh, like, you definitely would want those those guys at DB. But what defensive linemen, you know, are, are local big-time defensive linemen? And other than the Coney kid at linebacker, um, you know, where are the big-time linebackers? Did we lose that kid to Notre Dame? Yes. As of right now. We got to get back on that kid. Well, I'm sure they're not going to give up, you know. No, no, well, you know, winning would help. Like a nice, strong finish would help out a lot with with probably that kid and, and some of the other kids. They're kind of like leaning, you know, you know, somewhere else. You know, they want to give Miami a chance, but they just don't quite see a winner yet, you know. Mm-hmm. All right, you got anything else you want to talk about tonight? Nah, that's it, Gary. Uh, I, I'll call back next week. So, you know, just keep the good work. Keep me on hold, though. All right, man. Hey, thank you for being part of the show, as always. All right, 646-595-2048, 646-595-2048. We're moving on to the 240, where you're now live on Kane Sport Live. How you doing tonight? What's up, Gary? I'm good. This is D-Black 21. What's up, D-Black? Another regular. No, How you doing this week? Hey, I'm all right, you know. I'm You're feeling semi- better, aren't you? Yeah, I'm feeling a little better. I, I am. I'm feeling a little better. So I'm not even going to talk about too much on-field stuff. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to talk about a few things. Two things. With, like like with, with Jermaine Grace, what he's like, what he's around, like 215, 220 maybe? Yeah. Um, probably probably closer to 215. Okay. Well, you know, Derek Brooks was about 215 also. He was recruited as a safety. And everybody was recruiting him as a safety, but Florida State told him they, they would give him the opportunity to play linebacker. And look how that panned out. Not saying not saying he's Derrick Brooks. I'm just saying I mean, Derrick Bro- Brooks was Grace, light. Grace is probably more in the 210. He's 10? somewhere 210, 215, or yeah. somewhere in there. I mean, okay. he's, a, he's a safety size right now. He's he's a big Right now he's a big safety. Okay. He's, All right, that's he's cool. a big safety playing linebacker. Um but if they keep using him the way that they're using him, there's nothing wrong with that at all. No, nothing. And um like Tyreek McCord, that's where the scheme with him, scheme and proper coaching comes into play with him. Because he plays aggressive, he has a good motive. And I really think if he was taught more than a bull rush move from the D line coach he would be very, very successful because he has a quick first step. If he was taught other other pass rush moves besides a bull rush, that would benefit his game tremendously, of course. But I ain't going to get on that. I said I wasn't going to get on all of that, so I'm going to move on to my next thing about recruiting. And then the SEC, and this is something that I know for a fact, I know personally. Now, what a lot of people don't realize is a lot of SEC schools like Tennessee, Alabama, and all them, what they do, they got a lot of reclass players. And what people don't understand what a reclass is, a reclass is when you get like a, a, a player that's in the eighth grade and he's supposed to go to high school, he reclasses. So he, he reclasses. It's just, a, it's just a fancy word of saying of holding your child back, keeping them back to repeat the eighth grade. So now 
when he gets when he graduates from high school, instead of being seventeen, eighteen, he's nineteen now. So when he goes to when he goes to school, then they put that red shirt on him. So now he's red shirted. He's in the program for a year. He's lifting. He's eating. Now he's getting bigger. So now when he comes out that next year, instead of being eighteen, nineteen, he's twenty years old or twenty one, depending on where his birthday is. And I know this for a fact because the true freshman at Marshall, Jerome Jerome Dews, look him up. He he he's like my little he's like my brother. I'm I'm real cool with his parents. He's a true freshman. Tennessee paid for him to go to prep school in Atlanta. He was in Atlanta this summer. But he, he decided, no, I'm I'm ready to go play ball, so he went to Marshall. He was going to Tennessee. Tennessee paid for him to go to a prep school in Atlanta. And a lot of their players are what we call a reclassification. And I know this firsthand. This ain't no hearsay. Oh, this is I know. I know personally. So that's what that's a lot of this stuff is happening all over the place. People are reclassifying their children or an athlete. So by the time they get to college, they're not 18. They're 19. Sometimes they're 20 if they go to a prep school. They're 20 years old. Then when they get to the college, they still make red shirts. So now when you bring them out there as a redshirt freshman, they're 21 years old. They're 22. They're a grown man. That's what was, that's, that's happening at some of these SEC schools also. But people don't hear it. They don't hear, hear it because it's not talked about amongst rec- in recruiting. But a lot of that is going on. And you could comment on that if you know anything about that, Gary. You know, I'll be honest with you. I can't comment on it because I've never really looked into it in depth. Uh, the way you have, um, it doesn't sound to me like something that's far fetched. I'll tell you that. I mean, you know, I, I think everything goes in, in in that conference, but um, I have not personally really looked into the ages of, of those guys. Yeah, but when you, get, when you get a free moment, when you get when you get a, a free moment, Gary, just just look at it. Just just check it out. Just just you know just you know just look at it and be like, wow, yeah, I can see where D Black was making the case. You know, like I said, I know because Jerome Dews. He 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 was number thirty five, and I was trying to get him to come to Miami. Yeah, I was trying to get him to come to Miami, and I know his father personally. His father was like, he messed that money up, and I say money like messed the scholarship up because he didn't think his son was mature enough to come to Miami. He said, but after prep school, if he said the offer's still on the table, he he sent him there because he like Jerome was like six three, he was gonna play safety, and I was trying to get him to go to Miami. But he decided he was going to go to Tennessee. They paid for him to go to prep school. But then he decided he was like, you know what? He feel he's ready to play now. Marshall going to get him the opportunity. You know what I'm saying? They got him playing rush in, and they got him playing like a like weak side safety or something of that nature. So now he's at Marshall. His number's 35. He's a true freshman. And so I, I know this stuff to be, a, to be legit about a lot of this reclassifying. Stuff because mm-hmm. it's happening a lot up here in the in the in the Washington D.C. metro area. A lot of children are reclassifying. It, it, it's happening all over, but it's predominantly it happens in the South. It, it goes on a lot in the South. It's just not talked about, but it's it's going on. So that's how you see when you look out there and you see a 22 year old and the dude as big as a house. You're like, yo, like. Because he was out of prep school, so he was already in a, a good weight a weight pro program. Then when he got to the university, redshirted, now you in the top, the best program there is, and you eating right, you lifting, boom, 
put that size on, that strength, that speed. Now I'm going to leave you out here as a 22-year-old redshirt freshman playing against 18, 19-year-old boys. It's, yeah, it's going right. on. <laughs> it's, fair, it's happening. Fair enough. What, what else do you want to talk about tonight? Um, how do you think the turnout was going to be for the, for, uh, for the great Jim Kelly? Well, they're lucky because I would say it would be embarrassingly bad just because it's a 12 o'clock game, but um, they sold two packs with Florida State tickets and um, apparently sold a reasonable number of them that it, it should bring the crowd maybe into the 40s. You know, you might see 40,000, you know, which wouldn't be, you know, totally horrendous. I mean, otherwise, I think you'd be looking at like 25. All right, I, I, I'll take the 40. I think we, I think, you know, they need to, uh, we need to show up in good faith for, for for Jim Kelly. You know, man, you know, he was he was part of the the building process of this university, this legacy, and we need to show that man and, and give him the honor and the respect that he deserves. Yeah. He he was, you know, he started quarterback. You, he was one of the, you know, quarterback. You, him, Bernie Kosar, Ken Dorsey. You know, and a couple of the mm-hmm. other ones, Gino Toretta, and now we could throw Brad Kaya in there. But um, that's all I got for tonight, Gary. Um, just leave me a hold and hey, look up that information and check it out for me. Then we'll talk next Tuesday. You got it. Thanks for thanks for being part of the show. All right, keep me a hold. All right, we go into hour number two now on Kane Sport Live. The call in number six four six five nine five two zero four eight six four six. Five nine five two zero four eight. Last caller gave me some homework to do. <laughs> Boy, I don't know. I can't promise that I'm going to have the time to go look up the birth dates of all these players in the um, in the SEC. Uh, doesn't sound um, like something that would be a, a, a whole lot of fun. But I, I don't. I don't think that there's anything to argue with with what he said. I'm sure that there are a lot of kids that are maybe are a year older um, that are playing for some of those teams that maybe went to prep schools and stuff like that. That would not be um, a big surprise at all. All right, moving on here. Let's go out to the 706, where you're now live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, what's up, Gary? How you doing? This is Sebastian from Columbus, Georgia. What's up, Gary? I'm doing good. How you doing, Sebastian? Pretty good. I was the one that called in yesterday and talked about that Virginia Tech was the type of game that we have to win on the road. You mean last uh, I'll week? I'll go and demonstrate that he's uh, making progress with the program. And i got to give credit where credit is due. They came out flying. They were hyped. They were coached up well. They knew the task at hand. They executed. So we got to give it up to the coaches and the students for really, really representing the U well on a Thursday night game. What do you think about that? I agree. It was a classy performance. It really was. They had very good game plans. Um, I was really kind of stunned at how average Virginia Tech is. I, I, I didn't really realize that they were that watered down. Um, but I also think that Miami did a lot in the first half that was making them look that way, and I thought the execution on offense was unbelievable. Um, when you look at the way those offensive linemen were executing their blocks and and opening up, you know, just massive holes for Duke, and and the way Duke was capitalizing on it, um, it was really impressive. And Kaya uh, running the offense and checking from passing plays to running plays and, and catching. Um, Virginia Tech outnumbered time after time. Uh, you can't say enough about what they did on that side of the ball. And then on the defensive side, I thought they were flying around as well or better than they have at any point this season. 
I thought their tackling was superb, way better than than what it's been in the past. And um, I, I obviously their game plan was really good because when Virginia Tech went in at halftime and made some adjustments, they had more success in the second half. But even when they had that success, the defense was able to force turnovers, and those were forced turnovers. Those were not gifts from the Hokies. And um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it was it was plenty impressive. Yeah, definitely probably one of the best uh, defensive adjustments that I've seen Miami make in a long time. A lot of times I go into the game, and if, some, if a team finds something that's working, we never seem to be able to course correct. So just a lot of positives coming out from the game. You know, I try to be optimistic. I can be pessimistic at times, but definitely a lot of positives to come out through the game. I think we really have to recognize the phenomenal job that James Coley is doing with Brad Kaya. I told you he's the next Peyton Manning. This guy is a true freshman. We got him for another four years unless he just does something spectacular in the next two and then leaves early for the NFL. So as a, if you're a Canes fan out there, you got to be real, real excited about the uh, upside that he has, you know, going forward in the next couple of years. And I've been saying that all along. I've been a Brad Kaya fan from day one. And um, I just hope that he can just stay healthy and continue to press. A couple of things he looks I want to better every week. Um, the 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 loss of Eric Flowers, I didn't see that coming. I mean, I try to watch the games. I watched the reports after the game, and I thought it was pretty healthy. I really, really hate losing him and seeing him. I do uh, feel good about the way Linder is playing and Feliciano, and I just hope that Trevor Darling can really, really just kind of step up. North Carolina doesn't have the best. Uh, defense in the world, but, you know, they have offensive firepower, so we have to really, really be prepared to bring our A game. It should be a game that we should win, and I hope that we do because we make this bold eligible, and then we can start, you know, kind of champion, you know, for the uh, champion our way for the rest of the season with Florida State coming up. But a couple of things I want to ask you a question on that we've been talking about. I'm really, really, really alarmed and concerned about the recruiting on the defensive side of the ball. And I told you that Tevin, the Cooney kid was the linebacker from Palm Beach, was probably going to end up going to Notre Dame. I just don't see where we have our hands in the pockets of some of the elite talent on the defensive side of the ball. I cannot explain that to save my life. Um, and it just seems that it's an area that we struggle in, that for some reason we just can't get it together and become better at it. We lose Matthew Thomas a couple years ago. Uh, to Florida State, we lose the uh, guy from University School, Skymore, Skymore, that's playing up in South Carolina. I don't know if it's the, it's the issue of the type of linebacker or the type of defensive kids we want, or we just don't think it's that important to re- recruit elite defensive kids. What can you tell me about that? I, I think it, that they think it's important. I just think that they're struggling to do it, you know, and um, it, it all comes down to the assistant coaches and their ability as recruiters and. Um, I think that Al Golden could still benefit from a little bit of an upgrade on, in a couple cases. I'm going to share a little story with you. I live here in Columbus. I'm probably about a half an hour to 45 minutes from the campus of Auburn. I got a chance to go to the Iron Bowl last year. My nephew plays wide receiver for school in Florida. He was there on an unofficial visit, and you'd be amazed as the elite talent on the defensive side of the ball of kids that were just there for an unofficial visit. Is that just not a practice that we have because of the struggles that we have with the attendance at the stadiums, that we're not bringing kids at least to the game to experience the atmosphere and the college experience in regards to what Miami has to offer? Because when I look at the official visit list, 
I don't see nobody that's like earth shattering that I'm like really excited about that I could see being a part of our team. What can you tell me about that? Um, a couple things. Um, for starters, because of the NCAA penalties, they're, they're, they've been limited on visits this year. So they're really loading up for the Florida State game, and that's when you're going to probably see a few hundred recruits um, come in for that game. Um, you know, so that's that's number one. Um, but the biggest issue is Miami's kind of isolated down here in South Florida, you know, being down in Miami. And if you're a kid from around the country who's not from the southern part of the state of Florida, it's going to be pretty hard for you to get to a Miami game. You know, these kids are in their high school seasons. Um, it, you know, the, and, and Miami isn't big on official visits during the season because they're they're trying to focus on the games and number one, no, number two. Is that a strategy um, we need? To, is that a tactic we need to change? Maybe. Well, no, because there's really only a couple games a year that you have the the atmosphere that you really want to showcase. You know, to be honest, I mean, you know, you're going to bring in a recruit for the Cincinnati game. You know, when 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 the stadium's you know two thirds empty. You know, I don't. You know, I think you know. You got you, you got to be careful. I, th- I think that um, you know, obviously the Florida State game. It's going to be a packed house. It'll be an electric atmosphere. That's a good game to, to obviously bring recruits in for. But there haven't been a lot of them this year, and I think that the coaches prefer to focus on the football games and then do you know have the official visits after the season. Um, but that said, there will be a lot of visitors. Um, in town for the Florida State game. That's the one they've loaded up on. And because of the NCAA penalties, uh, most in most cases they're only allowed to have kids visit one time. If a, if a kid wants to visit more than once unofficially, they have to pay their way. Okay. Uh, a couple comments that I heard tonight that I want to clarify. I did see Herndon playing the game this year. He's from North Cross, Georgia, up in not in my area, but up in the in the state that I'm in. So I'm not sure if he can redshirt or not. I hope he is. Because I think that's going to be a special kid for if, us. If he's not um, redshirting, it, it would really be criminal because he's not making any type of impact at all. You know, he's not doing that. All right, uh, two things, and I'll and I'll let you go. Um, your thoughts on our ability to beat North Carolina this weekend? What do you think? Oh, I think I I don't think there's any question about it. I mean, you see the the line keeps going up. They've been posting on the boards every day. Have a the line keeps getting higher and higher. It's I think it's 17 now or whatever. Um, North Carolina should not be able to stop Miami's offense. They don't match up in any way, shape, or form. Their tackling is horrible. Um, I don't you know I I think they're lacking some speed back there. And I'm expecting Miami to score at least in the 50s this weekend. Um, oh my God! Now, I, I think the challenges are, are a little greater um, for the defense. I think North Carolina does, does have some quality um, on the offensive side of the ball and can do some things that'll hurt you. Um, but they're going to be hard pressed, in my opinion, to keep up with Miami. Yeah, I think if we play a solid game, we win. The, if we win the turnover battle, if we play smart. Um, I mean, I'll just be satisfied with a three-point victory. I mean, I just, I just want to win. Because we have a bye week coming up, we're going up against Florida State, and here's my thoughts on it. And you and I, and I'll let you go and just keep me on hold. I think the Florida State game is the kind of game that we can win, and that will definitely put Miami on the map. We'll have a bye week to prepare for Florida State. Hopefully, we can come out the North North Carolina game uh, healthy. But the reason why I say the Florida State game is kind of pivotal in the type of game that we can win is I just think our kids are hungry. 
you know, we, we we haven't had an opportunity to really – I mean, Florida State is owners for the last three years. I really – I'm not a big fan of Jameis Winston. I think he has a, a whole lot of character flaws. And talent can take you so far. And I really believe that if our kids can be coached up and rise to the occasion, I think we match up pretty good against Florida State. I think we need the atmosphere and the crowd, and we need everything to kind of go our way for us to be able to do that. But I'm not intimidated against Florida State like I have been in the past couple of years, even though all their talent is on the field. And if we can win a game like that, it sends a message to our recruits to say, hold on a second, do I really need to go to Florida State to sit on the pine for a couple of years, or can I take my chance on a Miami team where I really see the program heading in a good direction, really getting ready to make some great strides with the NCAA crowd lifted over us and us being able to move forward. So if you could just kind of comment on that and just kind of leave me on hold, I'd really, really appreciate it. And if you have anything to say about Herb Waters, I'd like to hear about that because that's my boy, and I hope he's, he's not in the doghouse still. Just keep me on hold, Gary. Okay, I'll do so. Herb Waters is not in the doghouse by any stretch of the imagination. He's been playing great the last few weeks, um, like all the receivers last week. Um, He paid the price for the way Virginia Tech was playing defense, and um, you know Miami had a focus on on the running game, so he wasn't really involved other than as a blocker. And all those receivers are doing a great job um, down the field as, as, as blockers. Um, as far as the Florida state game is concerned, I agree with everything that you said. Um, I think that the Miami's defensive backs and the number of them that they have quality that they have in that defensive backfield, particularly a cornerback, um, gives them a chance in the Florida state game. And I think they're going to be able to match up against Jameis Winston and that offense. To me, the whole key to the game is going to be an ability to put pressure on Jameis Winston. If you put pressure on him, he'll make mistakes. Um, if they can't get a pass rush, he'll pick them apart. It's that simple. All right, 646-595-2048. 646-595-2048. Let's visit the 305 now. You're now live on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing this evening? I'm good. How are you doing, Gary? Doing good. Who's this? Okay, this is uh, Sino305. Um, you got this week. Okay, so first of all, I, I have to disagree with you about, uh, you know, your opinion about Tyreek McCord and some of the other guys in terms of how much talent, you know, is on the team. It's While, funny, a lot of people you know, disagree with me on that subject. Yeah. I don't understand why. <laughs> I mean, the, the, well, the, the, basically, the record speaks for itself. I mean, he never yeah, sacks. He starts as a defensive end every game. He never gets a sack. Going back to last exactly. year, I think he had, I'd have to double check, but I think he had one sack last year. No matter year, who we put on our team, no matter what talent we put on the defensive side in terms of the front, uh, you know, the, the line, the front line, and the and the linebackers, nobody makes an impact. Nobody. Well, that's a different argument. You're you're right. Well, but that's not argument. really. They sort of go hand in hand because I, when I see Tyreek McCord play, I mean, I see the athleticism, I see the speed, I see the power. I mean, the guy, the guys coming coming full speed all day. But like another caller said, you don't see any technique in his pass rush. You know, they don't always put him in position to go after the quarterback. I mean, he's you know he's covering wide receivers at times, you know, or running backs. I mean, I think it comes down to the coaching. I don't know if you. you I don't know. If I think. I'm sorry, okay, I didn't mean so, to interrupt you, but I don't know if you, if you, if you or anybody yeah, else out there has noticed, but there's been a lot less of that the last few weeks. You haven't seen Tyreek McCord 
um, matched up against receivers in, in, in the passing game the way that they were doing it early in the year. In the Cincinnati game, he had a pick six. <laughs> well, yeah. he had a pick six. I mean, he was covering a wide receiver. I think really it comes down to the way they're being coached. You know, like like you mentioned, there needs to be an upgrade on the defensive side. I mean, I don't think we're maximizing the talent of, you know, uh, anybody on the defensive side. I mean, we have some talent. I think Grace, you know, is a is a, a real four-star talent, you know, from South Florida. I mean, he is a talent. The guy's got the speed. He can hit. He can do it all. The problem is, or, you know, he, he's looking okay now, but like everyone else, he's going to have good games and bad games. They can't consistently be – I can't – you don't see anybody on the defensive side being developed into a real, you know, uh, like you say, impact player. You don't see it. It's just no. – and, it, and it, it really can't be the talent because if you look at just the recruiting, these guys are get, they're getting four- and five-star players on defense. They are. I mean, we're ranked number 10 last year and the year before, number 13 or 15. But you see other teams around the country in, in terms of their front line, you see them doing a lot better with less talent. I mean, it's just a fact. So, yeah, I think we can get more talent if we want to be – and I don't think we're national, obviously national title level talent, but we're certainly coastal division winning type of talent. Yeah, there's there's no reason this team this year couldn't be sitting there with one loss right now. I I, I totally agree with you. When you and look I mean, at the games that the they played, game, yeah, you watch the V Tech game and you see that this is the same group, you know that uh, this is the same group that's been playing all year, and you can see the talent on the field because they can do that. You know, if 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 the game is coached up right, you know, the scheme, yeah, is one thing, but it's also, you know, the coaching during the week. I mean, off-season and everything in terms of the way they develop these guys. You know, I think we need to step up, like you said. We need to get a real defensive staff. You know, Miami needs to pay the money and get a real, a real competent group that can develop championship-level team. And also, that's on the recruiting side, too, because, I mean, is it my imagination or – have we never seen – I've never heard uh, D'Onofrio's name get brought up by any recruit. Is that normal? I don't know, but he doesn't do a ton of recruiting. I, I mean, he 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 basically does some – fishes around in Broward County a little bit, and he fishes around in New Jersey a little bit, but he does not do a ton of recruiting. Um, I'm trying to go – I'm trying to remember that play in the Cincinnati game because and, – and I don't have any data on this, but just observation-wise – I've been of the impression that they haven't really been exposing um, those guys, the defensive ends and linebackers, in, in pass coverage to the degree that they were earlier in the game. But um, and, and I'm, I'm trying to remember the way that play uh, against Cincinnati developed and whether he really was, you know, man to man on on a receiver um, when he made that interception. But um, you know that's. The, the scheme, how it develops players, I think is a whole other argument. Obviously, it's been made week after week after week. Um, it's not really going to change, uh, certainly during the season. And you know, yeah, they play the better. Day, Gary, at, at the end of the day, whether our talent is good enough or not, that's all still on the defensive coaching. So even if they're doing, you know, their best developing these guys, the fact that they can't recruit these guys you know, good defensive players is on them too. I mean, we either, however, which way we want to look at it, we need a, we need an upgrade from that side. Well, that's been the prevailing opinion all year. We'll see what happens, you know, when Al Golden has the entire body of work to look at in, in December. So yep. anything else you want to talk about tonight? No, no, that's it, man. I appreciate it. All right. Hey, thank you for being part of the show. Give us a call again next week.
All right, you can keep you on hold. I'll listen. You got it. All right, 646-595-2048, 646-595-2048. Let's go out now to the 973, where you're now live on Kane Sport Live. How you doing tonight? Hey, Gary, what's going on? Good, who's this? It's Ross, it's Ross from Jersey. I'm the one that came on a couple of weeks ago, and I was really upset with you, and I told you I came to smash the talk about we not having a good defensive players. Um, you know, I basically closed the show. You was like, okay, I'm over. It's over. You're closing the show, and it's over. But uh, anyway, let's get to some of the stuff that I want to talk about. Um, again, you're, you know, your calls are calling in, and you guys are going over this whole um, McCord thing, and players not good enough, and this and that. Here's the thing, Gary. You're saying that you don't remember in the last couple of weeks they made the adjustment where he's not covering the wide receiver? It seems to me like they've done that less, yes. Okay. Now, I'm, I you know, I'd have to go that? back and watch every play and chart it and compare it. Go ahead. Okay. okay, here's the thing. The reason why he's not looking good because he shouldn't be in this situation where he's covering a wide receiver ever. Ever. So, ever. So here's I agree. No, no. The, re- the reason why you're saying that, oh, well, he doesn't like he's doing it anymore, think about this for a second. We had guys. I went I- on the Internet while you guys was talking, and I was trying to go back to the old roster from last year. Um, number 51 that was playing defensive end for us, that was starting because Golden liked to start his seniors. So he was making the guys who stuck around and stuck with him that he was going to play them despite the talent that he had in the home on the defensive side. That's also, if you're not going to redshirt the guys, now you come in, you're putting in um, McCord and you put Muhammad and you put them in this rush package, and that was a bunch of crap. This is the reason why they didn't, they didn't develop, because you have them in this um, NASCAR package. They only came in on third and long. An offense know that this group of guys is coming in on third and long, they're going to make the adjustment to make sure these guys are not affected. So when you're saying that he doesn't have a sack this year, last year, it wasn't, they know that he's coming in to rush the passer. So if I know that these guys are coming in to rush the passer, I'm going to make the proper quick throws, the proper screen, let them come in, throw over top of them, and now I'm gashing them for, 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 for big yards. So the reason why they're not developing, because they shouldn't have been in that situation in the first place. If you're going to play talent like that, Play them on first and second down, and guys like number 51, I do not want to call his name, didn't need to be on the field. Did not need to be on that field. And because Golden liked him, he's a senior, he stuck with him, he didn't transfer out, he played guys that didn't need to be on the field. Okay, now let me make some, a couple other points. This is more like a question for you. I usually come in and I dictate and I talk heavy and I talk small. But I got a question for you, Barry. I need you to help us as fans, as fans of your show, fans of the U. Where can we get a star, a star defensive line coach that could come in, recruit the heck out of that position? That means, look, I'm going into D.C., I'm going into Alabama, I'm going into the West Coast, I'm going to New Jersey, and I'm going to pull at least the third or second best guy that they have at the defensive line position. Now, here's the thing. Everybody's trying to say that the the cornerbacks is not good, and the coach that's coaching is not good. 
He is no good. So I don't know if we need a star quarterback coach, but we do need a star defensive line coach. So I know it has to do with money, but guys are not going to like what I'm going to say right now. The Dolphins might not have the best season that they're looking for. If these guys lose their job, if I'm not mistaken, you need to correct me. Don't they have, like, a guy on the defensive, that's coaching defensive line that they that they say is a really good defensive line coach that we could use? Um, I'd have to look at their staff. I'm not really that familiar with it. And and I'm, I also can't answer the question for you right now as to what great defensive line coaches might be available to Al Golden. But I will totally agree with you that that's something that they do need to look at with all total props and respects to Jethro Franklin, um, who's been with Al Golden since he got here, came came with him from Temple. Um, but they're, they are not recruiting well enough at that spot. They're not developing well enough at that spot. And I definitely think it's one of the areas um, that they need to look at in the offseason. I really think what they do is they settle. They settle for guys that's tweeners, and they and if you look, if you really look at the guys sometimes that we're bringing in, they're really defensive ends. Russ, the they settle because they're not getting they're not getting the elite guys, and they're I they're not even we, we, they're not even in the mix for even, them. And that's a shame because we built our defense on stopping the run and being big and strong in the middle. So what are we what are we doing? We need to go get. Well, they're not. They're, they're losing them. They're just losing in, uh, for those guys. And you know, there's a reason why when you look at the the rankings that that just came out, that all these teams from the SEC are dominating the rankings. And the, you know, if you look oh, at the yeah. top ten right now, one, two, three, four. I'm, um, I'm glad. You know, I'm glad the you brought up the SEC. Four I'm of the top. Six, no, but four of the top six, five of the top eleven are from the SEC. And the biggest reason for that is those are the guys that are getting all the best defensive linemen. Yes, and I'm glad you brought up the SEC because I'm not going to try to make a big point about it. I'm just going to piggyback on him a little bit and, and, and let him know because I understand how it works on the basketball side because this guy that called in and said about the reclassification, he's one, not 100, he's 1,000% correct. Only thing that I would disagree with him about is that when they do get, they're not usually 22-year-old freshmen. They are usually like 20, 21, something like that. He said something about 22, 22. Well, That's they're, they're owning the JUCOs, they're owning the JUCO market, and they're owning the prep yes. school market. And he's 100% right about yes, that. He, he absolutely he, is. I, was, I really, really enjoyed what he brought on because he's, I was like, this guy is right on. And a lot of people is looking past that while we're getting guys because of, you know, the guys in Miami, they're fast, they're quick. We're getting – the reason why we're getting so many offensive line um, guys and so many offensive side of the ball guys in Miami because basically those guys are falling off the trees like Turner. We That's why we don't go to so many other states to get the, the quarterbacks and the wide receivers because they're, they're right there in Miami. So we, you can we imagine if they get, get Amari Cooper? <laughs> that's insane. You know, like they, but, like, you know, at like, that time – Miami, that time, North, at Miami that, Northwestern, who's the best yeah, look receiver? At, look at the guy that went to Auburn. Look at the guy that went to Auburn. I'm looking at your site. I'm looking at everybody's site, and we're saying that we might be getting this kid. Here's the thing, man. We was going through a little Rashad bit of transition. Green. Green, Florida State. From I agree, the- but you know what? We we, we yeah, we got dark set. So I'm not 100. percent um, I think this guy Rashad Green in the league when he gets to the NFL, he's going to be a possession type of wide receiver, a guy that can separate a little bit, but he won't be uh, uh, what I would consider a, a big time wide receiver in the league. Now I got I got a couple I, other I, things. I'm not. What, 
said about how they're falling off trees is, is really pretty accurate. Yeah, like, I mean, no, it's I mean, I mean, something that I use with my friends all the you, time. I mean, they come to me and they say, oh, Miami's down. And, Gary, it pisses me off to have this conversation. And I say, okay, well, we're not going to come to Jersey and get a kid, a wide receiver kid, when we got guys that fall off. Yeah, they're falling off the trees like Turner's in, 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 in Miami. And this is why we're getting those type guys. But I'm going to go back to the defensive side a little bit. And, and while I'm going back to the defensive side, I want to make a comment about what our coaching staff made a mistake. And now you need to correct me on this if I'm, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm off, off base. Um, the wide receiver that's at um, Florida State right now, we was animate about, animate about saying we wanted to make him a defensive back. That's inaccurate. That's a pretty good Say it again. That's not accurate. That was a bad – Okay, tell me what happened. Tell me what happened. That was a bad rumor – and a misunderstanding that developed by a mistake that somebody made on a card at a recruiting event. And I'm out, Ross. Let me finish the story. I'm not okay, going to hundred percent on the accuracy of, of this because I don't have it down to the nth detail, but the story I heard went along the lines of that um, Travis Rudolph showed up, at a Miami recruiting event, and on a card, instead of WR, it said DB, that somebody made a mistake, and it created a misunderstanding that he was being recruited as a DB, but they very quickly straightened that out. He wasn't being recruited as a DB. He was being recruited as a wide receiver, um, and Florida State just did a good job recruiting him. Okay, but he went from that from that week on, all the stories that I'm reading, I'm hearing, he's, he's not. He's been he's been throwing hints to the staff, and he's not happy about what's being said. People just run with rumors, you know. I mean, it's, it, there's a lot of rumors out there. You know, some of them are true, a lot of them aren't. You know. Okay, real quickly, real quickly. Oh, okay, this this game coming up, North Carolina. Tell me two or three things. Tell me two or three things, Gary that you know we're going to change how we do the offense. We're going to try to run the ball, but tell me two or three things that we're going to do differently, the fact that we don't have flowers. And I think a lot of people who haven't really talked about this enough, this is a major blow. This is an uppercut that we just took Wait, on the probably a quicker, Probably a quicker passing game. You know, maybe, you know, try not to leave Feliciano out there on an island very often if you can, if you can avoid it. Good, is, your opinion, is he's, he any good? Is he any good at the Yeah, um, Feliciano at, is having a great year, but he's not a no, left tackle. No, 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 tackle. no, he is. No, I'm saying, is he, is, he a, is he a left tackle? No, he's not. He's so a guard. Why are we putting, why are we putting him over there? Because they feel he's the he's the best guy to put out there. They don't really have a left tackle right now. That not, can go see, that's, that's, yeah. that's where, again, that's where we, we got to do a better job. I don't know who got hurt. Come on, I know. They're developing guys. I mean, they're developing Darling. They're developing um, McDermott. They're developing Gadbois. But right now, healthy, they don't have a better person to put out there than John Feliciano. So that's why they're doing it. But if you're asking me what adjustments that's going to force, mm-hmm. I think you got to. I think you got to look at, at times probably a, a quicker passing game. You know, not leave him exposed. Um, you're not going to want to leave Trevor Darling exposed. Um, so I could see. Uh, maybe a little bit of that. I, I think they will. Well, how do you how do you not leave but, Darling exposed and he's playing the guard spot? Because he's I mean, I, he, I believe he's going to probably mostly play tackle. We'll have to see how they decide. That's not to what do I'm it. hearing. Okay, here's, a, here's a quick thing that we I think we could do. Whoever is going to because he's well, Darling, if, if Darling can play both. Now. 
Darling can play tackle or guard. So so okay. they'll be able to, they'll be able to evaluate in practice, you know, what their what their best configuration is. Okay, um, if this, but if there is no playing reason to move Danny Isadora. Like why would you move okay. Danny Isadora? Well, no, and you have got Linder you've got Linder playing the left guard, you've got McDermott playing the center, you've got Feliciana going to left tackle. There really is you're not gonna move Isadora from right guard, so Trevor Darling okay. is gonna play right tackle. Okay, well, here's the thing. For Fisciano, if he's going to play left tackle, and we're going to have to have somebody, whoever, they're going to send their best defensive guys that way. So what we probably should do is send a guy, chip him, chip him, then go out on a pass play, meaning like chip him. I'm not sure that North Carolina is good enough that they're going to have to do that. I I think they would prefer to not have to chip him and do things like that. Feliciano should be able to hold up against this team. Um, I, I think where the Warriors might come in would be Florida against Florida State. State. Florida. Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, you're, you're dealing with a different level athlete when, when you Absolutely. get to that. Um, but, you know, for this, for this week, Feliciano should be able to hold up. All right, Ross? Absolutely. All right, man. So let's, just, let's, just, let's finish this up, though. On the defensive side, a defensive lineman coach. Okay, if we can't get the guy from the Dolphins, if I'm wrong about that, we just need to to, to identify that person, bring him in. And if Florida guys get fired, fire this guy we got and go after Robinson. Oh, that's his name. That's his last name, right? Robinson? Go get that guy. Well, first Al Golden has to decide if he's making changes. Then he can look at the pool of candidates. Hey, Gary, if that man right, does not make changes, hey. say he's in trouble. All right, keep me on hold. All right. Hey, all right, give us a call next week. Good talking to you again. All right, a lot of opinions from Ross. Uh, great call, no question. Um, we're moving on here, 646-595-2048, 646-595-2048. Um, let's go now to the 786, where you are now live on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing this evening? Are you with us? Going once, going twice. All right, you'll have to call back. Uh, let's try the 951. You're now live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, what's going on, Gary? Doing good. Who's this? It's T, man. It's T. What's How, up, how's T? everything going, man? We're having a, a, a better mood right, tonight. <laughs> hey, good show tonight, right? Everyone's in a much yeah. better mood, a lot better conversation. Yeah, we're touching on yeah, all kinds yeah. of topics. I, I think it's, it's we're back to having a good show again. Yeah, man, nice, nice little vibe, man. You know, get, you get tired of the negativity. <laughs> Yeah, last week's show I thought was just brutal, man. I mean, we went three hours last week, and we didn't get we didn't have one happy fan, not one. <laughs> yeah, it was so kind of hard to be happy last it, week. Though, it's so. like it's refreshing for me to hear like a little bounce in everybody's voice this week. You know, I mean, but, so what? You know, but the Kane, it, as Kane fans, man, we have to find something to be positive about. You know, not going to win a national championship this year. We're probably not going to go to the playoffs. I'm just having fun just watching the pro- progression of the team. You know. Just watching them get better week by week, and you know I have fun watching them play defense this week. Like they look a lot more, a lot more aggressive out there, man. It's just like he let them play ball, like you know. So that was fun to watch, man. So just kind of like, just kind of going through the season. You no, know, want to make a bowl game, do good in the bowl game, and look forward to next year. I guess you know that's all we can do. So yep. try to find something to be positive about. You know, I just been trying to keep up with recruiting. How's that going? I saw the, it's your message. quiet, you know. It's a little quiet right now, which is not atypical of the regular season. I, I mean, kids that are going to commit early, they usually commit in the summertime or the springtime. 
Um, mm-hmm. Once they get into the season, they're focused on their season. Um, these are the kids that want to take official visits um, after mm-hmm. the season's over and things like that. So recruiting typically gets a little bit quiet here in September and October, but it, it'll start picking up again soon. You, you'll start seeing okay. the fraction. Yeah, what's the latest on um, Tim Irvin, man? I'm just seeing Twitter and different things. Like he, he's leaning towards Texas and Florida and different places. So I thought yeah, he was like know. a. a, a no, no. Uh, don't know. I mean, I, I mean, my, if I were going to give an opinion, it would be that if he was going to Miami, he'd be committed by now. <laughs> but oh wow, uh, you know, that but that's, one, that, but that, that, that mean Yeah, but that doesn't mean anything. Seriously, I'm just, that that would just be an, an opinion I would throw out there. But right. it really, it really means nothing. I don't, you know, nobody knows what he's doing. Right. Uh, I hope his uncle, you know, <laughs> give him putting something in his ear. You know, that's kind of yeah. legacy type. You know, knows his. No, legacy, here, it, I'll legacy. tell you what. Here's my honest opinion, and I'm gonna I might get get somebody angry at me, but you've got a mm-hmm. defensive back who maybe is like five eight, okay, mm-hmm. who, who's a kid playing you know a safety basically at five mm-hmm. eight, who's sitting here grinding the University of Miami to death. His uncle's Michael Irvin. He goes right. to school 15 minutes from campus, and he's a five eight safety grinding them to death in recruiting and. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, if I'm Al Golden, I've, I'm moving on. That's just me. Oh, you, know, right. I, I, you know, I don't, you know, the, this isn't Sean Taylor. You know? Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And that's I, that's a know, great point. I, I think it's kind of embarrassing to Miami that it's playing out the way it is. <laughs> you know, I mean, oh, you right. think Urban, Michael, you know, with, with the connection to Michael and everything, you, you know, you're thinking – that this is a kid that's going to be one of the first commitments of the recruiting class, not one of the right. last. And I think it's a little embarrassing to them that he's not committed and it's a it's a point of contention. Um, wow. If I'm Al Golden, I'm looking for other guys. But, but they, they were saying him and Jaquan are kind of close and they wanted to play together, so you think that yeah. would affect... Why is, wow. why is Jaquan, Jaquan's committed? Oh, I mean... Yeah. No, I don't want to sit here and sound like a badass or something, but I mean, it's like you know, come on. I mean, you know, you you got to keep this in perspective. I mean, this is still a kid that's in high school, um, who's a five eight defensive back. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I, I was just looking more at the legacy. You know, I know his, he got a cousin that wants to play for Miami too, right? The, the receiver from Texas, Mike Over's son. Yeah, I heard he was leaning towards Miami if he get offered. I I would you know. say this phenomenal chance that Michael Irvin's son will end up a Miami Hurricane. I don't think there's any question about that. Um, but in okay. this case, we'll see what happens. I don't know. Like I said, he's a, he's an explosive athlete. Um, probably worth taking if he wants to come. But you know, you can't sit there and wait to get left at the altar on signing day. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, yeah. You can't and doing your uncle who's a legend in Miami alma mater like that. That's kind of. Yeah. Kind of and I do think you know. I do think it's embarrassing that he's not committed. So. Yeah. All right. So that was, that was pretty much all I had, man. I just look forward to them playing and keep go, going up from here, man. Hopefully we can we can pull this ten win season out, man. You know. Yeah, that, that's 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 my wish. So. All right, man. Hey, that, thank you for being part it. of the show. Oh, give no us problem. Call. Yeah, give us a call again next week. Uh, and leave me on hold. I'm gonna listen. All righty. You got it. All right. Six four six five nine five two zero four eight. Six four six five nine five two zero four eight is the number. We've got about an hour and twenty minutes of show left. Plenty of time for a bunch more callers. Um, let's go now to the two three nine. You're now live on. Hello. 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 Hello
Hey, what's going on, Gary? This is Carlos. What's up, Carlos? How you doing this week? Doing good, doing good. A lot better than three weeks ago. I mean, that's why everybody's happy. I mean, honestly, if if Duke loses this week and Georgia Tech lose and we win, we actually, you know, kind of control our own destiny. And nobody thought that was going to happen about two or three weeks ago. So, you know, it's a whole whole different story now. Now everybody's all hyped up little, and pumped up. And You don't feel a little weird sitting there, like, rooting for Duke losses and sitting there trying to figure out how you can back into – a coastal division title with two or three conference losses. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. But I mean, right now we hold some tiebreakers, so that's good. You know, like if if Georgia Tech, Duke, and and Miami all go five and three, then we go because we hold the tiebreaker overall, both of them, because they will have losses. We, you know, we have the tiebreaker over Duke, but they would. You know, Georgia Tech has two losses to the coastal, and we only got we would only have one with the other two being Louisville and Florida State. So it's it's weird. But the way they planned it out, Miami, if, you know, us three go five and three, then we go. If it's us in Georgia Tech, we go. So, I mean, us in Duke, we go. If it, you know, so it's kind of cool. But it's weird. It's weird. All of a sudden we're back in it, so it's, 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 it's interesting again. Well, you'll know, uh, my, you'll my know the way the first game goes, whether you want two games against Florida State. Oh, I don't care if we play them both times. I mean, if we get you know, whooped both times, it's just the fact that we go. You know what I'm saying? Hey, we're coastal champs. You know, we've never been able to say that. So we got to start somewhere. I mean, we got to start somewhere. And, I'm like, and, I've and been a coastal since the 80s, so. And and you would be beating your chest, coastal champs, with three conference losses. That doesn't bother you. No, I wouldn't be beating. I wouldn't. Be, it does bother me. It does. But we have to start. You know, you have to start somewhere. I mean, I, I I've been humbled. You know, I've been a you know, Kings fan since the '80s. So I went through the '90s where we stuck, and then we went back up again. And I, you know, so you know, I'm, I'm just being optimistic. I'm starting off several things. Number one, you know, that's the answer. Hey, listen, um, there's ahead. some there's audio problems with your connection. Um, I'm not sure how you're calling us, but uh, you're 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 breaking up. Are you on a cell phone? Yeah, am I breaking up now? Yeah, you're breaking up. If it doesn't correct itself pretty quickly here, we're going to have to have you call back later or something. But um, was there anything else you wanted to talk about tonight? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What What's the impact if Duke comes back and all the running backs we have committed? If he comes back, do we lose half of them? Uh, it, it wouldn't surprise me if one dropped off if he comes back. You know, it, it wouldn't surprise me at all. But I, I think that Mark Walton is rock solid um, from everything I've heard. Jordan Scarlett is rock solid. The one I'd be worried about would be Dexter Williams if Duke comes back. Um, but I don't think Duke is going to come back. I'll be shocked if he does. There's no okay. reason for him to. We talked about yeah. that earlier in the show. I mean, there's absolutely no reason for Duke Johnson to come back for another year of college football. There's he can't. He, there's nothing more for him to prove. He can't. He's not going to get bigger. He can't get better. You know he's he's as good as he's gonna be, which is pretty damn good. Um, you know I don't know I don't I just don't I I can't think of one reason why he would come back. I mean, and no NFL person is gonna tell him he should come back, um, and nobody that's got his best interests in mind is gonna tell him to come back. So we'll see we'll see what happens. Maybe Mama do. Well, they tell projected him, to come back. him between his. Well, they're projecting him between a second to like a third. So, I mean, if they project yeah. him as a third, I mean, I I would come back. 
why he's you're 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 going through another season exposing yourself to injury and you're still going to be projected in the same place next year. So why? If if that's where they're evaluating no, you, if, I, they're, if they're evaluating you as a late second or third round pick, you're going to be evaluated the same way a year from now. So what what's the point? You're going to go play a whole nother year and expose yourself to knee and ankle injuries and shoulder injuries? You know, I don't know. I I I think the other thing, I think he he should go out and I think he will go out. The other thing is is that you were talking about, you know, you hate, you know, the whole burning all these red shirts. I I I'm kind of the opposite. I don't mind because if we're going to be opening up against, you know, on, on prime time every year just about against top-notch, you know, teams, I'd rather go in there with a whole bunch of kids that have playing experience than go in there with seven kids that are redshirt freshmen that have never been in a big-time game or a game at all, and we have to start over every year. You know, like Linder. Linder was supposed to be redshirted this year, and, you know, all of a sudden, you know, look how he turned out. So now we open up prime time next year. We got Linder with experience, Darling with experience. You know, we got all these kids with experience instead of all these kids that have never been in prime time or anything, and we're just going to end up getting beat again on national television to start off the season. But wouldn't you, you have know, been that, better That's just my opinion. Wouldn't you have been better off with maybe Malcolm Bunch playing there and Linda redshirting? Just this year, no, example. I like Linda. I mean, well, Linda's no, no, not, not he's really. doing a nice for a true freshman. He's doing phenomenal. But uh, but my point is, you wouldn't rather have a veteran who's played a few years like a Malcolm Bunch in that spot had he not left. No. No, I, I understand. I understand what you're talking about, but I, I, I just I, not really. I'd rather have these kids with experience. That that's just me. I just, I mean, every year you start out brand new, brand new, and all you have six or seven guys who've never played, and all these teams that are with less talent take advantage of that. You know, they oh they have, you know, twenty returning you know starters from last year, and we have like four because everybody and everybody else is brand new. You know, I, I like the fact that they can say, oh no, Miami's returning you know, 12, 13, 15, 16 starters from last year's team, you know. And that gives us a better chance of being ranked. That gives us a better chance of winning the game. That That's just me. I mean, because every year to come in at primetime game and start the season, let's say we start on Labor Day next week. I mean, next year. We're already going to start against LSU in 2018. Yeah, Can you imagine playing LSU in 2018 with like nine redshirt freshmen on the team? No, but I don't think that yeah, if you're if you're recruiting right, those kids wouldn't be starting as redshirt freshmen. They would be backups. Yeah, but they'd have get a, the experience to go in there. Yeah, but they would be getting experience as redshirt freshmen. They wouldn't be starting. They wouldn't be coming in and starting. But isn't you know you you would have you would have a a good flow of talent going through your program. But isn't it what all these superstars, like Alabama, they got Dupree, five-star wide receiver. They didn't redshirt him this year, and he, you know, he, he's not getting as much playing time as he, you know, he would have liked, but he's getting playing time. So when Amari leaves, he's going to be the next superstar next year. But because he's getting you know, playing time, if he would have been redshirted this year, that means he would have started from scratch you know, starting next year. I mean, you understand what I'm talking about? Yeah. In and, that sense? And, you know, there's different ways of looking at it. But you're also never going to have 50-year seniors, and you're not going to have a situation like what the caller earlier tonight was talking about, like what they have in the SEC, where you have 22-year-olds playing, which makes a big difference. 
you know, if you're playing your 17 and 18 year olds, um, by the time they're 22, 23, they're going to be gone. So, you know, there's different ways of looking at it. Um, you know, I don't know that there's any right or wrong, you know, absolute, but I, I, I just feel that right now there are too many kids having way too little roles and impact that are blowing red shirt years. That's just my opinion. Oh no no, in that in that that I agree with you. But in the case of Linder and Darlin, all of a sudden, you know, let's say they would have started next year opening day, Labor Day night, as redshirt freshmen who've never played a game, I feel a lot better now that they have all these starts under their belt. You know, so our True. offensive line is gonna keep on getting better and better next year. Yeah, well uh, yeah, the offensive line is very thin, so that's that's been a little bit of a unique situation this year. They've kinda had to play those guys. But no, I got you. you know, but I could go over on the defensive side and pick out, you know, four or five guys that I feel should be redshirting this year that are playing, you know. Oh, but that I mean, was Darian, because we had linebackers being kicked off the team. Yeah, I mean, you know, we had players, you know, that was an emergency. Yeah, but, I mean, Jawan Young didn't have to play this year. Could have redshirted. You know, That's he's one for sure, you know, so – all right, you got anything else you want to talk about tonight? Uh, no, thanks, brother. Thank you. Doing a great job. All right, man. Thank, thank you for being part of the show. All right, thank you. All right, 646-595-2048, 646-595-2048. Let's go now to the 678. You're now live on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing tonight? I'm great. Oh, yes, I got in. <laughs> Been waiting You're in, for a man. While. How are you doing tonight? Make a, make a count. Give us something good. All right, let me start. I've been listening for a while. The caller that called in that was speaking about the interception that was made by um, uh, our, our linebacker. McCord, defensive end. McCord, right. That's what he thought. Yeah, he, he was talking about the was, pick six in the, in the Cincinnati game. Yeah, he was not playing a man-to-man. He was playing in a zone. He dropped back Yeah, that's zone. what I thought. You, I, you know, I was trying was to remember. He was not playing that guy man-to-man. That's what I thought. I was trying to remember yeah. the play. And that came off of the receiver messing up the play anyway, kicking it up with his knees. So he wasn't playing him man to man. They got to no. I think they've been doing that a lot less the last few weeks. I I mean, if you look at other teams, especially SEC, Georgia did it. uh, Lorenzo Carter, his first play in his first game, he dropped back in zone coverage. So we're gonna do that. And I mean, I'm 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 a first time caller. Well, zone blitz. Hey, zone zone blitz schemes. That's a whole different deal. Um, what yeah. we were talking about was man-to-man. Yeah, like he was he, not in a man-to-man with that guy. Like he was in the Louisville game when he was matched up man-to-man. Exactly, exactly. Um, real excited, man, but everybody got to realize, and I tell you, just slow down on what we're talking about as far as how Miami is doing. You got to understand that cloud with the sanctions have been over them since Al Golding got there. You know, so he's been playing with other recruits. This class here is his first recruiting class that he could see come in as freshmen and finish out. And, I mean, the, the class this year I'm really impressed with. And I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's going to get better. What's going to happen with us winning this year, you're going to get better recruits in. And that's just how it goes. The better you do, the better recruits you're going to get in. And, I mean, he had, they came in behind an eight ball. They came into a hot mess, which was not their fault. So if everybody can be patient, give him and his staff a little time to put in with their players. And I think the players that they got on the roster now are doing a bang-up job 
with what they had to deal with, with the sanctions over their head. Um, earlier, I mean, the caller that just called in was talking about red shirts versus burning their red shirt, getting them experience. Of course, we had people leave the team that sped up the process on it. The one good thing about red shirt, and you can't knock a kid, grown man in the NFL, anybody else, if they beat somebody else out. But the red shirt deal, the red shirt deal works out because it's, it's to the old saying about a, a deer caught in the headlights. The reason why they're going to burn those certain kids' red shirt, if they see that kid contributing in the next year, and I'm telling you, I know, if you go to Nebraska and you look up in the, stand, in the stands and you see that crowd, you're going to get shook. You're going to be blown away. You know, so if you go to these different home away games, even the home games for these first-time kids, it's going to be overwhelming. So they're going to burn the red shirts on the kids that they want to have that experience. And I think some of that is a good thing. Now, I tell you, Miami got a lot of kids that are red-shirted that are going to come in and make a difference on the offense and defensive side of the ball. I mean, they they got receivers, six four, six five receivers that are red-shirted now that are going to come in next year, make an impact. Defensive side, they still got linebackers that are, you know, different kids that are red-shirted. It's going to make a difference. It's going to make a difference. I mean, and like I said, I'm telling you, I'm talking from just following this this year. It, it, the program has already gotten better. From what I've seen from the games last year to the games this year, you can't account, I tell everybody, if Williams was healthy and, and he didn't do Superman in spring practice, he would have been a fifth-year senior starting at quarterback. The offense would have been a lot different. He know the plays, he know the playbook, it would have ran a lot different. I mean, so you have all these – Intangible parts, you talked about the one offensive lineman that left earlier, which gave Darling a chance to start. Well, if that offensive lineman was here, I don't think he would have started. You could tell me if you think otherwise, but you know, I, I think so, they're, going, they're heading in the right direction. So I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Yeah, I think they're heading in the right direction. And, you know, I tell you what, this last game, was just utter domination. Like you said earlier, I, I didn't catch your show last week, but people should be elated about this past week's game. I mean, we barely threw the ball, but we just yeah. completely dominated. Yeah, it was in, it was classy, no question about it. And they intended to throw the ball. It's just Virginia Tech threw a defense at them that they weren't expecting, and it, yes, it required Kaya to keep checking the running plays. So he and just and I love that running game. That running game was unbelievable this week. Well, obviously, Bud, obviously Bud Foster didn't think that Miami was going to be able to do that. I mean, his whole that, game plan. Know. His whole game plan was to force them into a running game. Yes, and then they got it. Oh man, I'm telling you, I, I recorded this that, that game. I've watched it. What's today? Tuesday. I've watched it two times already. Unbelievable. That offensive line looks so good, dude. I'm telling you. And it's, it's only going to get better. Um, with the win situation, yeah, we lost in Nebraska. You got a freshman quarterback. We're going to take those lumps. But what everybody needs to see is that every week you're getting better and better. They didn't lose to yeah, Nebraska because they had a freshman quarterback. <laughs> oh, no. They, you, you're right about that, sir. And, and they lost, exactly they, they right. lost to Louisville because they had a freshman quarterback. They didn't lose to right. Nebraska or Georgia Tech because they had a um, freshman quarterback. They lost those Georgia games Tech, because of the way they chose to play defense. Exactly. And Georgia Tech was horrible. I mean, it, it's assignment football with the kind of offense they run. If you're not sound in it, 
you're going to get beat. I mean, but they were still they were still in it. We were still in it, and you know. So I try to take the positive out of everything. Um, just let everybody just be patient. It's, it's coming back around, and and we're going to get more more. Uh, I'm not even worried about the stars. I'm not going to say three, four, five star recruits because the stars don't mean a thing when the kids hit the field. You're going to get better quality kids coming in, and they're going to be coached up. I, I've I've seen a lot of it this year. They're gonna get coached up. So, but I definitely right, well, hey, to the show, man. Thank you for the call. Oh no problem. Thank you. Y'all have a good night. All right. Give us give us a call again next week. I sure will. All right, man. Glad you were able to get in. Six four six five nine five two zero four eight. Six four six five nine five two zero four eight. Let's go out now to the um, the four eight four where you're now live on Kane Sport Live. How you doing this evening? Hey, what's going on, Gary? Doing good, doing good. Who's this? Hey, it's Philly. Philly. What's up, Philly? What you got this week? Hey, that that dude right there was super duper positive. I mean, yeah, he was just like, he was. I need to smoke with something he's smoking. Cause that that was like super positive. You're not positive this week. I mean, I I, I love the win. I mean, but to me, it kind of it, it kind of left me. It kind of left me like like happy at the same time, kind of upset because it's like that's the that's the Miami I expect, you know, especially in the coastal because coastal sucks, and it's like I expect Miami to play like that because they have the type of talent to play like that. So you know, for I me, know it's exactly, like it's, it's just like exactly. it's, it's like a, it's like indicative it's like indicative of just a bad coaching we've been experiencing because I mean because of the because of the kind of talent we have. You, and, and you see that type of result, you know. You, you saw that Duke. So then it's like it's like okay, if you if you have this type of talent, you can unleash this talent like this. And, and what is the problem? Well, you, yeah, like, you're sitting you there have, saying, man, how how do we how do how do you go up to Blacksburg and play such a quality game? And yet you're sitting here dying in the in the coastal because you you, you blew the game at Louisville and, and you blew the game at Georgia Tech. That's exactly you know what you're saying, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, but it's like you know, I'm like I'm like that caller a few callers ago. Where I'm like, you know, what we need, we definitely need like it's like somebody on message board said, you know, um, that you know the defensive is the defensive coaching is getting better. But I'm like, it, it goes further than that, man. It's it's development and it's recruiting because, I mean, you like take for example Denzel Perryman. Denzel is such a great player, but if you look at his like he has. For his career, he has 21 tackles for loss in a four-year career. For Denzel, that should be like a season. I mean, you know, then I go back and look at Georgia Tech, and I'm watching the center just come off an attack, and I'm like, why are you, you – your best player, who's a heat-seeking missile, who blows up plays in a foreign tackler, you don't send him on blitzes, and you don't protect him. You know, you, you know put, put some line in the front and let him roam you know, make make plays, funnel plays to him, so he can make plays, so he can force fumble. This, this dude is forcing fumbles like left and right. He's making form tackles, blowing up ball carriers. If you were to funnel plays to him, you would get more of this. But yet, you're letting linemen get up on him and and, and, and keep him in check in in very different games, which is crazy. I mean, it's just like you're just, I mean, the the whole development thing. I don't know. And then, like, the like, like the red shirting. I'm like, you know, people like dude was talking about earlier how, you know, you don't red shirt. You, but come on. Like, like what, okay, how did not red shirt in Jameis Winston 
How was he not prepared to play open tonight? Andrew Luck, red-shirted. Okay, let's go to Miami. Um, Mount McKinney, red-shirted. Jerome McDougal, red-shirted. Wilson McGahey, red-shirted. Okay, that did, that did not stop them from being repaired and seeing the big picture the next or seeing the field and being like, you know, dumbfounded when they took the field the next season. You know? Yeah, I, so, you know, I agree. If you've been listening to me, I've been on this for a few years. Yeah, I mean, I mean like, like you're right. It, ma- it makes no sense. Like, Jawan Young, you know, Jawan Young, you know, and then, like, just like right now, um, Golden's talking about putting in um, Sonny, like Sonny Adagu at right tackle or left tackle. But why wasn't he already prepared? And, and well, then he, he, he he's already prepared. Then, yeah, he was registered, but if he's already prepared, then you wouldn't have to play um, McDermott. McDermott could have registered. Then you would have him um, next year possibly, you know, playing like left tackle or right tackle. You know, you, you probably wouldn't have to need him. I mean, I mean, injuries happen. So of course, you know, you would probably have to, like, burn it. But, you know, like, like Jawan Young, Marquise Gayot. I mean, I don't know. I mean, my, my my main point reason why I'm I I do been shooting all those guys. I mean, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean Gayon uh, had a nice special teams play a couple games ago, but beyond that, <laughs> like, the, the, does he really? Did he really need to play this year? Especially you have you have a four man rotation with Fentress, with Bush, with Carter, and with Crawford. Why does Gayon have to play? He doesn't. He's like, not. I mean, that, that, yeah, that makes no sense. I mean, it just makes no sense to me. I mean, that's what I think. The, the whole, like, I, I think I posted, like, on the board, where we, we need to make a defensive hire equivalent to, like, James Coley, somebody that that, 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 that can be that can recruit as well as, you know, have an impact in terms of, like, coaching and development that can find the talent. You know, maybe if it's a defensive um, line coach, maybe it's a defensive coordinator, because we are getting our butts kicked. I mean, we're not in it for any linebacker in Florida, except for Perry. But in terms of Rivals 100, Rivals 250, name me the defensive players that we're in there for Florida. The highest rated player we're in there for is Tim Irvin. And Tim, at number, I think, 83, wants to go to Florida because of T-Rob. T-Rob is kicking our butts, you know, for, for, for that player. Well, he has it's not, all these on our staff. You don't know that yet. Yeah. You don't know where he's well, I mean, that, well, I mean from, from the articles and from different sites, he then he said that that's his leader. And the only only equivalent, only person that you can look at is T-Rob T- got Jannard Bostic from us. T-Rob's T- been they do. Just like McClendon at Georgia has been their dude. Just like Corey Robinson for LSU has been their dude. I mean, we, we have guys on our, on, our, on, on our staff that are good recruiters. But majority of them on the offensive side. They're, they're just on side, the offensive side, like correct? Yeah, we need yep. that impact. We need we need some impact guys. You know, whether it's whether you go pull Kevin Kevin um, Patrick from North Texas, or like I said, if or like the caller said, if Florida coaches make changes, you know, maybe keep Hurley a linebacker coach and go go grab T. Rob, you know, from Florida. But we need to get those impact, you know, guys or. If Claire Hurts, um, if his um, show clause is, is up and he's going to come back from the, from the Bears, go bring him down to be D-line coach or something like that. Matter he'd, of fact, be a great, he'd be a great guy to bring like, back if they ever, if they would ever do it. They may not yeah, want to do it because yeah. of what happened. But, Gary, um, I'm, I'm like this. I'm like this. If, if, if you get rid of like this, this would be like this would be like the bomb staff to me on defense. If you get rid of D'Onofrio, 
and you go get Jim Levin from the Niners, make him defensive coordinator and linebacker coach, grab Patrick from um, North Texas, make him defensive end coach, make Clint Hurt the tackle coach. You can't have that. Either you're, you're, no, 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 because you're, you're placing your linebacker coach because you have you have Jim Jim Levitt. Oh, oh you um, think Levitt, Levitt, Levitt yeah. linebacker? Okay, Levitt be DC and linebacker, and they either have Hurley be um be secondary coach, or if you don't retain him, then grab um P Rob. But you would have some bomb recruiters and developers like Kevin Patrick's a developer. T Rob is a developer. I don't know, you know, Hurley's a great is a great recruiter. I don't know where he is on development. But Jim Levitt is a is a developer, you know, well, and, and he's a recruiter. Before, before you start throwing names out, you got to see if if uh, Coach Golden's going to make some changes. So let, you it, know, it, let's, it, take, it, let's take one thing at a time. Is there anything else? to happen. You want to talk about anything oh, no, else? That, no, that's it, man. Just keep me on hold. You got it, man. Hey, thank you for being part of the show. All right, we're in hour number three now. Um, the People Show, Kane Sport Live, having a, a, a great show this evening. Lots of good calls. Uh, let's go now to the 757. You're now live on Kane Sport Live. What's up, Gary? It's Kane Kane One, buddy. How you doing? What's up, Kane Kane One? How you doing this week? Uh, man, you know, ain't nothing to complain about. They won. I'm, I'm going to give some shout-outs uh, to my man, White. He finally got on the field. Big boy. Uh, shout-out to Kirby. That first series that Tech had, that was a major play he made in that backfield. He's having down. moments, no question. Yeah, he, he played good. Uh, ain't no ragging on nobody. Let everybody keep the job for at least one week anyway. Um, like I said, it feels good. Um, let's see what happened with Carolina. How can we control Williams and Beckford? We shouldn't have a problem scoring because their defense is not that great from what we've seen. But their offense can strike. They got a fast receiver, several of them. And then you got to worry about your boy running. I really don't have a whole lot, you know. I hear people talk about the talent, what we need to do this and that. It's seven games, and it don't even matter no more. Let's just get through this. Hopefully, we can get a decent bowl. But I do agree with you. I'm not beating my chest off five and three. I'm not beating my chest off of, oh, we need Duke to lose. No, man, that ain't Kane football. If you can't win it like FSU and straight up, it ain't really worth winning at all. Asking for help ain't fun. Every year, we've been in ACC yeah. for so long, and we still ain't won a championship. Miami, Miami's the best team in the coastal this year, and 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 should have taken care of business and been been up there. Yeah, you're right. I agree. So all this, uh, I hope, man, I don't care. Just beat Florida State, went out, make it a good season. Then, like I said, there might be changes, and you said there should be possibly some changes. But I think if he happens to win out, I don't think he changes nothing. If he's stubborn as he might be, he's going to roll with his dice and take it the way he take it. And next year, he knows it's ride or die, period. You win the ACC, I guess the championship, or win the Coastal first without a problem, without having help, and then you must try to win the championship. But yeah, and you got be, and you got to beat FSU and Clemson next year. Oh, damn, that's right. Woo. Don't we play in Nebraska, too? I mean, it don't count. I mean, yeah. it counts, but okay. Yeah, we got to Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, he might want to look into doing some changes. But, hey, I ain't going to hold your time. See you on next Tuesday, Gary. Um, Take care of yourself. One love, sir. You got it, man. Thanks for being part of the show. Yes, sir. You got it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right, let's go out now to the 
seven seven zero. You're now live on Team Sport Live. How you doing, Steve? You with us? Hello? Yes, sir. Yeah. That's you. What's going on, Gary? Who's this? It's Steve. Hey, what's yeah, up, Steve? Left. How you been, man? I've been good. You, I've been good. You, you still haven't probably made it to any games, right? Nah, nah. I got. I got to get over that. I, I'll be honest with you. It's it's been what three weeks now or whatever. That's still man. That's still wearing on me. That that the Canes came to Atlanta, and the great Steve uh-huh. did not make it to the game. But we'll we'll yeah. we'll move on. What what you got tonight? Um, I'm, that was a that was a great win Saturday. But um, I want I want your opinion. What do we have to do to uh to get in this Final Four? How far are we away from that? Because that's what it's all about. That's what it all boils down to for me. Well, you're not. You, you, so, you're obviously not not close right now. You know, so you know we can't. If we can't win the coastal, and if you can't win the coastal, you're not going to win the ACC. You know, how are we going to get to? What are we? What? Are, how are we going to get to this point? What do you see next year? Well, you got to. You, know, you got to win year, next year. Next year, your schedule's tougher than this year. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, you don't uh-huh. have you. You got to raise the level of the, of the game. I mean, got to do a better job. Yeah, because I hear we talk about the you know getting players in there, defensive tackles, or, you know. But when you look at these kids, these kids and their parents are making business decisions. Decisions. You, I hear you talk about Al Golden as the CEO and all of that, and Denafio as his partner. Well, these kids' parents are their partner, and they want to send their child where they got a, the best chance of going to the NFL because that's what those kids dream of. You get what I'm saying? Yep. So, we, but, you, we, know, you, got, you know, you just got to raise the level of the game. They got to recruit better. They got to develop better. They got to game plan yeah. better. And then they got to call a better game on game day. All four areas, they need to get better than where they are right now. Yeah, because if you don't, here's the thing, if you don't play better with what you got right now on your roster, you're not going to, you know, it's going to make it hard for you to get better recruits to come in there. Do you agree? I agree that right now it does not look like they're getting better recruits than what they have, particularly on defense. That's the problem because. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, the defense is terrible, so they're going to have to do better with what they got on their roster and show that they can develop what they got. You know, maybe, you know, they look different last week. They're not going to say it. The coaches are not going to say it. They lined up in, in like a five-man front pretty much the whole game, brought pressure. That was good. Uh, Virginia Tech didn't they, throw the ball much. Couldn't they did a it, great so I don't, it was a great game plan last week. They did a phenomenal yeah, job. So, you got to so do it. Not, you got to do that twelve times, Steve. You, you can't yeah. do it eight or nine. Eight, eight or nine doesn't do a lot for you when you're at Miami. Yeah, you can't you, do it. Yeah, like you, you got to do it. You got to be. You got to do it. You got to do it twelve times, and you got to hope that that gets you ten, eleven, twelve wins, so that you can be competitive yeah, but, at least for a conference title. And if you if you're really good and you can get to that eleven or twelve plateau, then you can compete for it all. Yeah, all right. Yeah, that's where I'm at with that. Hopefully, you know, like I said, I'm a yeah. truck driver. 
And, uh, you know, I some stuff, I've been getting some offers because, you know, I drive for myself. But I'm trying to get down there for um, Florida State. I was down there a couple of weeks ago, but we had the bye week when they had that festival, and uh, not this past weekend when they had the Faggity Fest. But I was down for the Goombay and Key West. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to try to get back down there for, hey, uh, for Florida if, State. If you can come up? down for the, for, 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 the, for the Goombay, you can come down for the Florida State game. So I hope you get there. And, the, yeah, and, and, there's, gonna, and there's tickets. So work on that. Yeah, I'm gonna work on that. But that's all. That's that's pretty much all I got. I'm not going overboard with what we did last week. I'm gonna just sit back and relax, and just you know, hey, pull for my team. All right, you know, I want to. I, I get in that. I want to get in that final four. If we're not talking final four, you know, I'm not talking, man. I I'm not excited about nothing. I just hope we we can compete and do good. But really, in all actuality, right now. You want to have a coaching staff that can get your team to the Final Four. All that, all that coaster talk and ACC talk is garbage. You want to be in the Final Four at the end of the day if you're trying to win championships again. Thanks for letting me uh, talk. Keep me on hold, buddy. Appreciate it. All right. All right, Steve. Thank you for being part of the show, as always. All right, let's go out now to the 501. You're now live on Kane Sport Live. How you doing this week? Hey, what's going on, Gary? This is Alex from up here in Arkansas, man. Hey, what's happening, Alex? Hey, I got I got off work late, man, but I'm calling to get my therapy session again this hey, week. Hey, man, that's why we're here three hours now. So, uh, so I everybody, really appreciate you. <laughs> I really appreciate you, man, for the third hour. Um, no problem. I didn't get a chance to hear the beginning of the show, but um, I did Podcast get online and I checked out a couple of things, man, and I saw where. Um, the kid from Miramar uh, decommitted the lineman and also that uh, Flowers was hurt. Um, and then I caught a couple of calls on uh, that have come in later on on that second hour, and everybody's been talking about defense. I uh, I want to start my comments off, first of all, with giving a shout-out to the uh, whole team for the way they played up at Virginia Tech. Uh, as Carla said earlier, man, that was basically Miami football, and that's what we're used to. To all of the fans who are out there, man, like I am, we just want the best for our team. And I know I heard uh, Golden say he doesn't really pay attention, but that was just the politically correct thing to say because they do pay attention. Because every time everybody turns up the heat real, real high, start to change for that upcoming week. So that lets me know that somebody's paying attention. <laughs> it seems but, uh, like that a little bit now. I, I can't argue with you. You yeah, know, the, every time the, every time the, we all turn up the heat, you know, things Duke start to change. Virginia Tech, yeah, Duke and Virginia Tech look different, no question. But they look different, exactly. and, they were, and they were effectively different. Right. So I'm like you just said a second ago, why can't we get that every week? Why can't we get that every week? But to uh, every Canes fan, uh, the Canes fans are really intelligent, man, and most of all, we are all passionate about our team, and we want the best for our team. And you know, I kind of, I'm kind of selfish. I'm in between on the Duke Johnson thing, man. I, I hate to see him go because he's such a great ambassador for our team and for our program. And I hate to see him go if he does go pro. I do understand about the injuries and want him to have an opportunity to pursue his dreams, but. Man, I sure love seeing him run with that U on his back. 
you know, but I, I just hate to see that. But I'm yeah, I just just be me being selfish. But um what I wanted to ask you is I'm kinda torn in between because if we went out the rest of the way, Gary, I honestly don't believe that we'll make any changes to anything on defense. And I'm kinda torn in between because it's pretty obvious We've we've got our offensive side pretty well set, man. James Coley has taken this thing to another level, and people need to recognize that, not only with the uh, recruiting that he's doing, but also with the development. And you have to give Brandon Carroll credit as well, and along with Ice Harris. It's amazing, you know, what they've done in a short period of time, and you can only see that getting better and better. Problem I have is is that we don't get any home run hitters on the defensive side. And as one caller said earlier, we never hear about our defensive coordinator going out and landing anybody big. And I just have a problem with that. Yeah, well it's 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 when you look at the areas where they can get better, there's no question that's number one. So do you think, Gary, if we actually win out that's going to be the thing that's going to say, okay, well, hey, really, we think we got it fixed now. Let's leave everything like it is. Uh, look, I think it's all conjecture right now. I, I think a lot of things happen if they win out. If they win out, I think recruiting gets better. They get in the game for a lot more kids than they are right now. Um, does it change the fact that they need to make some changes? Um, probably not. And and that's the challenge for Al Golden because, you know, and, and this is why you make the big bucks when you're the head coach. He's got to figure that out because a mistake, you know, can can mean another year of going eight and four instead of ten and two. Exactly. And, and that, you know, and that's a big that's a big deal. Well, did you? I wanted to ask you also. Did you get a chance to uh, check out that interview that uh, Sean Salisbury did? Yeah, I did, but that's just one man's opinion. I mean, you know, it was a good well, opinion. He, he he said some really intelligent things, and hard to argue well, with any of them. But everyone's well, Gary, got I'm, well. I mean, don't you don't you think that you know we're the University of Miami, and we should at least be able to get the top players in Florida at least on official visits on the defensive side, and as well we get them on the offensive side, but we can't even get them to take a whiff of us on defense. And yeah, it, I mean, don't you think problem. that that's like that's a legitimate problem and a legitimate question that whoever you have on your staff should at least, at worst, be able to get the best talent to even consider us on on uh, defense from the state of Florida. But we don't even get a whiff. We're not even. Yeah, I mean, if, I mean, if you're getting, let's say, you're in the game or getting, you know, a coward, a Jefferson a Tim Irvin, a Coney, that's four guys right there. Um, you know, if you're getting two or three of them or, or all four, now you're all of a sudden have a whole different perspective on your recruiting class. You know, they're not even, even in, in the game. Right. You totally changed everything, the way your defense is looked at. Everything automatically changes. If you can get in the conversation with the marquee players. And right now, as you said all year long, it's, totally tilted on the offensive side, man, they get them. And they can get them in and they can get them to take a look. Yeah, sure, we don't get all of them. 
you know, because, I mean, Cristobal is a hell of a recruiter, and people better recognize it. I don't know why our fans – well, I do understand because everybody wanted him to still be there, and he would have been had we upped the money. But, you know, on the defensive side, man, we don't even get a whiff. And I see people every week committing and talking about they taking, you know, going check out this school, and, man, on defense, we don't get a whiff. So, I mean, I don't see it getting better. And I just feel like I'm torn as a Canes fan because if we went out, chances are he's not going to make too many changes. Well, I wouldn't want to guess either way, to be honest with you. Okay. Well, I'm coming down, man, for a game. Coming down for a game. So I took your advice, unlike the guy from Atlanta. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I'll tell you, Steve. Steve Law, Steve's got to get his credibility back after. I mean, can you imagine you live in Atlanta? The Canes come to Atlanta to play Georgia Tech. You call Cane Sport Live every week. You're one of the more esteemed callers from all around the country. People talk about your, what you say on the show, on the message boards. The Canes come to your hometown, and you don't go to the game. I mean, come on, man. I mean, that's a, that's a come on, man, if I've ever seen one. I mean, exactly. But, you know, but we love Steve, so we'll, we'll go lay on him, and hopefully he'll figure out a way to get to Miami for the Florida State game. Anyway, hey, thanks well, for being part better. of the show. Thanks, man. I'll see you next week for therapy. Leave me on hold. You got it, man. Hey, thanks as always. All right, 646-595-2048, 646-595-2048. We're moving right along. Got 38 minutes or so to go. Um, let's go now um, to – wait a minute. i got to figure out where I just left. Uh, let's go to the 904. You're now live on Kane Sport Live. Gear. Yes, sir. How you doing, man? It's S1 from Jacksonville again. How you doing? What's up, man? What you got for us? Oh, man, just uh, I was, uh, just wanted to call in and say a few things, you know. I watched the game this week. You know, we, we looked a lot better. Um, we played a lot better. Oh, it was a pretty good game plan on offense. Um, but what I wanted to say was, this is a problem I have, Gear. Okay. Now, Al Golden um, and Nafrio, you know, they'll say – that they'll say particular things about the game plan, defense, whatever, and then a few weeks later, they'll say something that almost contradict what they said uh, a few months, a few weeks earlier. It's almost like a politician who says what people want to hear at that particular moment. Like when you when you see things on, and, and, and like one of them called said, when you watch. Um, the football game, and you T-boy it and you watch it over again, you see things that you wouldn't see on a live telecast. And what I, I, I always look at the defense because that's where a lot of our problems have been. And I noticed that we played a lot more aggressive. We ran a lot. Like, Kirby looked good in this game, um, especially in the first quarter, because we were blitzing him through gaps. And this was something that I had almost – if you go back and look at the rest of the games, because you probably got them on, uh, on, on video tape, you can have access to them. How many times did we blitz him before that game the other day? It's like Al Golden to say, like he said in the Herald or said in the interview on Joe Rogan, he said something, he said, we want our defense to be aggressive. Now, this, is directly, this directly contradicts something, I mean, almost everything I've ever heard 
and what we've seen for the last three years. Am I? Well, sometimes I, you see it, sometimes you don't. <laughs> when you yeah, see it, it's usually it's, successful. That's what that's what I think people struggle with. When you see yeah, the aggressiveness, they usually play much better, a, a much better level of bas- of um of football. Exactly. So if you know that it's a better, if we we have you have better results with it. I mean, like you said, I'll go to the smart guy. If you know you have a better result with it, why don't we see it more often? Why is it that we got the like the other caller said, and I was laughing when he said it. As soon as we turn up the heat, when people start talking about people getting fired and you know. Uh, can this guy and fire that guy? All of a sudden, we look on the field like, well, who who are these guys? Who, who, who are these guys playing defense? Because I, I, I didn't see these guys. It's it's bizarre, but but you're right. I mean, it's it's hard to reconcile and and analyze and talk about, but you, you know, it, it certainly looks that way. Yeah, man. Like I said, man, Raphael Kirby looked like like he's completely and Raphael Kirby. Every school in the country wanted that dude. Every school, I mean, the Alabamas and the LSU, everybody wanted that dude. And when he was, like, a couple of years in, I was like, well, what happened to Raphael Kirby? And I think if they would let him play and the defense play like that more often, we'd have a much better result because the kids are like a stud. Him and Grace are studs, but they were playing a downhill style. And another caller said something that I really, really agree with. If Denzel Perryman played, played that same style, that attacking down his style, his whole career, he would have way more than 21 tackles for loss gear. Way more than 21 tackles for loss in a career. He might have 10, 15 in a year. I mean, just, I mean, man, I'm, I'm like I said, man, and another thing I noticed, man, I know uh, people that watch football notice this stuff too. Our defense, our defensive linemen have, Sometimes it looks like they're trying to take a dump on the field. Now you know that frog stance that they get into, and it's like they're trying they're trying to drop a deuce. But the last game when we was being aggressive, it like they was much more up on the on up on their toes and like they was getting ready to attack. But when we did that, it would look different. But this is another thing I'm gonna tell you. Now, now this now you gotta be careful with somebody fooling you with fool's gold because when we got the big got a, got a, got a little lead. It seems as though we went back to the the, the, the frog take a dump stance and playing in the, the second way half. Played. Yeah, I, yeah. It, 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 man, I, I noticed the same man. thing. The second half was different than the first half. They, yeah, they, man. Let me say, man. Why, why would you? Why would you go back to the to what, man? Listen to well, me, I man. Think it's a of the simple score. Probably, probably because of the score. You know, yeah, they, yeah. They, you know that, they, that, they, it does make sense, man. They throttled it back sense, but, and, and wanted to make sure they didn't give up big plays. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah not, not, that, that does make sense, man. It just looks so bad. You like, why? If it ain't broke, why are you fixing it? I mean, we 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 dominate. You know, like I said, man, I'm I'm not gonna keep you on all night, man. I just, I, hey, man, Duke, man, Duke Johnson, man, my, I get props to that dude, man. Um, that dude is a hell of a player, Brad Kyle. He's gonna be a hell of a quarterback for us, man. Yep. I mean, but hey, you know what? Now I, I do have a I do have a, a, a little gripe about the offense. And I'm gonna see if you 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 notice this too. Okay. Out of all the receivers we got on our team, the one receiver that I would never throw a wide receiver screen to is Malcolm Malcolm Lewis. Why don't they throw that same pass to Herd Waters, who maybe got a little more wiggle? 
can make somebody miss in a little. They have. I think they've thrown a at everybody. They love that that bubble screen. Yeah, but don't throw it to Malcolm Lewis. He just, I mean, like I said, he a good, probably a good receiver, possession receiver, but he not gonna make nobody miss in a phone booth. And that's what you need on that wide receiver screen. That's what you need. And we throw it, and I, when we threw it to him, and we didn't get the first down, I was like, why did they throw that to him? Well, don't throw that pass to him, like like Gus, but Gus Edwards, like like Gus Edwards. Well, Gus Edwards, um, he he runs like a a smaller back, but he's a bigger guy. Um, I think he's getting better at not tiptoeing, but you can kind of tell when you when you're around a player. This is this is what I'm trying to say. I ain't trying to be long with it, man. But yeah, you get long winded now. Come on. I, I, I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. Man. I'm, I'm gonna say this, and I'm bone, man. When you around the player every day from training camp when he first gets into your system to your team, you should be able to identify what he's good at and what he's not good at. You should be able to see his strengths and his weaknesses. And sometimes I see our players who look better at uh, who look better doing one thing, they look horrible doing the other thing. But we have them doing the other thing that they don't look good at more than we have them doing what they look good at. Does that make sense to you, just think? A little bit. <laughs> You're yeah, starting so. to get a little confusing, but no, I, I get you. Hey, hey, I, hey man. I, 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 hey, man. I'm, I'm glad we won, man. And uh, like I said, I, I still wanted to make a few defensive changes, man, and, and get rid of that uh, that dump, that dump, take a dump on the field stance. And uh, just put me on hold, man. You, you got it. Hey, thanks for being part of the show. Until next week. All right, 646-595-2048. Let's try the 850. You're now live on Kane Sport Live. You with us? Oh, he might, he, he, right, I'm going to leave you on hold because i got a feeling you just want to listen. I think you're the same guy that went silent on us earlier in the show. Let's go to the 321. You're now live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, what's going on, Gary? What's going on? Who's this? Uh, this is a long, long-time listener. This is Paranos. I haven't been on the boards in a while. Um, What's up, Paranos? What you got for us? Hey, a couple of things, a couple of things. I'll, I'll try and tie up some things here. Look, at, I'm, I'm a stats guy. For, first of all, foremost, I'm going to tell you I'm a stats guy. And if you look at, there's a website out there, College Football Stats, and you look at our defense versus FBS teams, and how we've recruited over the years, and people have posted this all over the different boards, in terms of people saying the talent's out there, the talent's not there, the talent is there, and stats don't lie. If we if we take out just all the nonsense, like the lower-tiered schools that we played and just ranked our defense versus FBS schools, as of as of this year, we're what? What is that? We're 28th defense in the country. Central Michigan, Utah State, UCF, Wisconsin, all these schools have a better de- – Wisconsin has a top six defense in the country. I and their recruiting so, classes have been in the top – I mean, all these stats are great, <clears throat> but mm-hmm. it, it isn't, doesn't a lot of it really depend on who you're playing and how good they are on offense and how the games – with the circumstances of the games. I mean, there's a lot of variables, and and, and – they're they're an okay guideline as like a rough guideline, but I'm not sure these stats are as absolute as you know some people would like to think they are. Like I don't think my, Miami is as good defensively as they are statistically in those rankings. Uh, absolutely, and that and but what I'm because of the scheme, and that, and because of how the scheme is being called. I'll, I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. Wisconsin runs a three four, 
and I would love for Wisconsin, I would love for Golden to hire the defensive coordinator from Wisconsin, Dave Aranda. I've been saying this for two years now. This guy's in his last year as a con- of his contract up with Wisconsin, so he's he's easy to get. Pay him six hundred grand, he'll come down here. And literally, if we had this guy, we would be undefeated right now. This guy runs a three four based on based on speed, more so than based on just gap control. He's taking these farm kids, and in one game they had eight sacks from their front seven. Now these are farm kids who were, couldn't even be a walk on at Miami, let alone let alone earn a scholarship. But yet they've gotten they've got eight sacks from their front from their front seven. Now looking at it also, I think. Irregardless of, I think, irregardless of our record, at the end of the year, was Al Golden is going to make defensive changes. He has to because going eight and three, like you said, or eight and four, that's not that's not what they're paying him for. And the administration's losing money, and they're going to continue to lose money, and it's also going to affect their their enrollment too, because kids want kid. The reason kids come to no, Miami is not it, has, it doesn't have anything to do with that. It's just like you know, you'll you'll have just wasted the Duke Johnson era. And now you've got the Brad Kaya era, and, and and you know these are short windows. You know Brad Kaya is going to already be a sophomore next year. Um, you've got a two to three year window to capitalize on having a, a top flight franchise type quarterback. Mm-hmm. I, absolutely. So, you know, goes, they, but you don't have time to screw around, man. It's like you don't have you don't have time to screw around. If you're not good enough, you need to correct it. And that's what all the former coaches that have been at. And I wrote. I, 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 I hope you read my column about a week ago on this, where I listed them all. I mean, all the former coaches that, that have been successful here were all at this spot where they had to make a move or two to upgrade their program that would allow them to take the next step in progression. And if Absolutely. you don't make those moves, you don't take the next step. And that's and that's also why I said, you know, go after, go after Aranda. He's a cheap. He's not a cheap hire, but he's a hire we can afford. Ronda Levitt, even a guy like Dave Wanstead, any of these veteran defensive coaches that know what they're doing, that could come in and take you to the next level on that side of the ball, um, would be worth looking at. But the problem with those other guys you named, uh, outside of Ronda, they run. They don't run the three-four. Al has cut his teeth on a three-four, and he wants to at least, even if you're a CEO. And you step away and you delegate. You still want to have the fund. You would still want to be able to understand what's going on underneath you, even if That's you're not a, fair, a part of day-to-day operations. Point. You still need to be able to say, okay, if they bring in a four-three guy, he's going to be like a fish out of, outside of water. He's tried. He said he's multiple, but his heart at the end of the day is in the three-four. Whereas that's why I say bringing in a guy like Aranda says, okay, you know what? I understand what you're saying. Let's go. As far as the defensive line coach. Jethro's got to go because he doesn't. He's he's not bringing in. He doesn't identify with the kids that are hungry. He's a Cali guy, and the Cali, the Cali, the West Coast mentality is different than the Southeastern. You need a Southern guy. You need the other caller said Kevin Patrick. That's the guy who I say you know what, bring him in, pay him one hundred and thirty, one hundred and fifty, whatever. You know, in that range, he'll take it. He's a millionaire. He doesn't really want the money. He just wants to coach. He's coaching at North Texas now for eighty grand a year. So you know what? Yeah, you give him 120. He'll pack up his kids. He'll move back, no problem. Now the defensive back guy, that's where the, that's where it gets tricky. We're bringing in a guy like Aranda. He loves to coach linebackers as well. 
So he can be your DC and your LB coach, move Hurley to DB coach, and that fixes your defense literally overnight. And all these kids or people are saying, oh, they don't want to come. With a staff like that, they would be here tomorrow. The kids would want to play tomorrow because they know Dave Aranda Blitz is getting off the bus. If you, you can even look up some of his videos on YouTube where they interviewed him on how, what his philosophy is. He says he, minimum, he brings pressure from four, from four areas or four linemen at the same time on every play. It doesn't matter if it's a cornerback coming, linebacker coming. He's always bringing four, even in prevent. Whereas here, whereas what does Golden do? He gets nervous. He says, okay, I'm going to drop eight and wait for you to make a mistake. Pressure bus pipes, as people always say. you got to bring the pressure if you want someone to make a mistake. And that's where Golden's philosophy differs. But now, if he doesn't want to bring him in, look at Winston Moss up in Green Bay. He's been passed over a ton of times for a He's defensive coordinator, a coordinator position in the NFL. But if Miami called, he would come home. Yeah, but he's never but been Golden a coordinator. Would, Why would you want to hire him? Because he runs a 3-4. He runs a 3-4. He, he, he doesn't run anything. Three, he's, never, he's never run anything. But he's been a linebacker coach for 11 years in the NFL. I know, but you can hire guys that have been coordinators. This is University of Miami. Why would you go with a guy that's never been a coordinator before and gamble? Because he's been, he has the experience. He's never call, He's never had to call the game. I I have no problem with the Ronde, you know, like you said. I mean, he mm-hmm. he is a very well thought of guy. He's got experience as a defensive coordinator. I agree with you. He's one of the more highly regarded defensive coordinators in the country. But Winston Moss, I think, would be way too big of a gamble. Um, Al Golden doesn't have time to gamble. Okay. Okay. Uh, all right. That's I, just I, my I, opinion. I don't think you can gamble no, I can on a guy. See you on that. And, and one last thing in terms of the recruiting that everyone else, everyone's jumping up and down about because I'm big on a D line. Recruiting and people have to understand, based on the scheme we run, everyone's like, "Oh, we want these linemen that you know can get upfield." If you're running a two gap, that's what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to control their area. They're not supposed to blow up up the field because then that leaves holes in the defense. And to find people who are built to control an area, you have a different formula than the Miami of old, where you found these fast twitch guys. Now you want these big, strong, massive individuals that generally are ranked around a two- or a three-star. When Alabama goes looking for their defensive linemen, it's rare that they bring in a four- or five-star. They go find these three-star farm kids from the backwoods of Louisiana or the backwoods of Alabama that can bench press 500 pounds, and they bring them in, and they're beasts to begin with. I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. Wisconsin with this... They run, a three, they run the same 3-4 I've been talking about. They just got two, two Polynesian kids. One literally is from American Samoa, and he committed on Monday to them. The other guy is from California, another Polynesian kid who's, who's from California. These kids are 310 pounds, massive kids that, that can move. And that's what you need for your nose tackle. That not you know they're like oh we don't get these kids from South Florida because they don't they're not built like that down here. You got to go you got to you got to turn over the rocks and find these kids like like we found a kid from Jersey Jenkins great he's built that way. Everyone's now talking about Ryan Fines. He's a Midwest kid from Colorado. The kid benches over 400 pounds now. So when he gets here, 
by the time he's a sophomore, he'll be benching 500, no problem, and he has long arms. Or, so people are, you know, people are overlooking, you know, what they're looking for. And as far as what happened with Michael White, yeah, he was a reach to begin with. And if you really looked at his, and if people really looked at his film coming out of JUCO, um, he, it left a lot to be desired in terms of being able to do gap control. He was just simply bigger than everyone else and kind of leaned on him and pushed him aside. He didn't really struggle with someone matching him size for size or power for power. So now that he's out of shape and he's finally getting into shape somewhat, now you're starting to see his is that that learning curve is not there. So, well, what are your thoughts? What are my thoughts on <laughs> on the, the the learning curve not being there? Mhm. I mean, I you know, I I mean, I guess you could make that argument. Okay. And you know, I mean, in, in in certain cases, you know. Okay, and in terms of our recruiting and the types of players we're recruiting versus what everyone's screaming for. I think they're individual situations. I, you know, I think every every one of them stands on their own. You know, I think sometimes they're spot on, sometimes they're not. Like, you know, they like, for example, Leeward Brown's been committed for six months on the offensive line. He just got dropped today, and now is de- now is decommitted. He's no longer on the board. They they never should have taken a commitment from Leewood Brown. So you know mm-hmm. sometimes you know it, it, there's there's different situations with every kid. Okay, like the kid up in Jacksonville, Kendrick Norton. Franklin should be camped out and in front of his kid's house. He's he's the ideal nose tackle for what we need. He's massive. He moves that's your, well. That's your that's your opinion. Oh, I mean, he might be. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm mm-hmm. just saying that maybe they don't agree with you. I mean, who know, you know? Who knows? No, they they offered him and they're recruiting him, but they're not they're not they're not hard on him as as he, well, he's what I'm begging saying. Florida for an offer. But they're you know they're like okay they're just recruiting him like he's any like he's any person. They're not recruiting him like they're not recruiting him like how Coley recruits his quarterbacks. I look yeah, at they, may, they may not be keep as good as you think he is. I mean, who knows? And you might be right, and they might be wrong, or they might be right, and you might be wrong. You could go case by case with yeah. every kid. So, okay. all right, anything well, else you want to talk about tonight? No, yeah, we pretty much covered everything. If you leave me on hold for the last couple of minutes so I can listen in, you know, it's been great to get in. Well, actually, well, one last thing. So, what do you what do you think the likelihood of them making an offer to a, making a run at Dave Aranda is? Oh, from what I, you've would, heard. I mean, I, I think if he decides to make a change, that that's a guy that has to be on the list of, of possible guys you would look at. But I have no way of predicting who Al Golden likes or who's going to look at it. Or if he's going to, you know, it's going to take a lot for him to make make a change with Mark D'Onofrio. Okay. You know, I, I, I'm not, you know, first, first, first he's got to decide if he's going to do that. Well, so we'll, well one last thing. You'll know, you'll know in, a, in a little more than a month. <laughs> well, one last thing also. I heard, I've read on a couple other boards that last, if it's a rumor, I'm not sure. But um, for the for the Vatek game, um, whatchamacallit, Golden called the defense himself. No, that's that's totally false. Okay. 
That's that's absolutely not true. Uh, Golden is always on the headsets with the coordinators. He'll give input during the course of a game, but he was not the defensive coordinator for Virginia Tech. Absolutely not. All right? Ah, okay. Well, thank you. Just right. keep me on hold. You got it. We'll leave you on hold. All right, 646-595-2048, 646-595-2048. We got about um, 16 minutes or so left. Um, let's go now to the 561. You're now live on Kane Sport Live. How you doing this evening? Hey, Gary. How you doing? I didn't I didn't get to listen to the beginning part of the show, but... Sorry, right. podcast um, will be up about 1130. Okay. Um, the, um, the First of all, we all know deep down the Canes aren't going to win out. They're not going to win Florida State. And, and this defense is going to mess up somewhere around the... Uh, down the road there. So that that's not going to happen there. But, you know, my my thing is, too, is when Golden talks about sending pressure, it, se- it seems like he's rushing three and he sends a linebacker. He's still sending four on five blockers. You have to overwhelm these offenses sometimes. No, they, were, if they, anybody... they were sending five a lot at Virginia Tech. No, I understand it, that. But in I'm the saying first put, half. Yeah, and and I know when he always says that, oh, we send pressure this many times. But a lot of times, just still being outmanned. If you ever watched the Washington Redskins game against Dallas last night, that's what pressure does at the end of the game. Romo couldn't even turn around before somebody was in his face. So I hope him and Donofio watched that yesterday. But one other thing, uh, you know, when you were talking about these decommits and everything, is it an extraordinary number that we're having compared to other schools or – uh, obviously, other schools are having decommits, but I mean, are we more than what should normally be happening? No, because they're not really decommits. They're the, in most of these cases, these are kids that are being essentially cut to make room for other kids that want right. to commit that are better right. than or higher or evaluated at a higher level than what those kids are at. Right. And everyone and, and my has been pretty much a good move. Um, Trying to remember the kid's name that um, that switched to Wake Forest. I'm not sure that he was really dropped, but the, t- um, the tight end, the, the tight end, end. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that big tight end. Um, right. But all the other ones are being dropped because there's better kids on the board coming up. And, and my la- my last thing is, uh, you know, I, I don't think he's going to get rid of Denofi at the end of the year. And and the reason why I say that is. I, I start to hear D'Onofrio now mentioning what the defense is ranked and this and that, and I think that's just them trying to let, show, you know, put it out there so at the end of the year when this, the defense is still ranked you know, decently high, and you know, going by the eye test, we know this isn't a great defense, and they're going to use that as a justification to keep him. And you know, me, like other Canes fans, we hope they make a change, especially on the de- uh, you know, defensive line coach and maybe a coordinator and a secondary coach. But I, I don't think it's going to happen. And I believe what you said is if he doesn't make a change, next year is his last year. Because if he doesn't go anywhere close to 10 wins, he's not coming back, nor should he come back. And, and that's the only thing I wanted to say, Gary. Great show. Listen to you next week. You got it, man. Hey, thanks for calling in. Thank you. All right, All right let's go now to the um, – let's go to the 813 – where um, you're now live on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing tonight? Hey, Gary. How are you doing? This is Andre from Tampa. Hey, what's up, Andre? What you got this week? Oh, man, just, um, just a side, you know, I'm kind of happy this, you know, uh, from last week. A um, couple of questions. I, I mean, I'm, it was just me. Um, I know 
the Virginia Tech game was really based off that a game plan of running Duke Johnson and uh, Gus the Bus. I, I was happy about that. But to me, it seemed like they, they hindered uh, Kaya a little bit. It just seemed like it was like when he no. when he got in that game, you I'm just saying from my standpoint, like when they got to say, well, we don't need you to lose the game. We just need you to throw. Cause no, of passes was, that's not what happened. Through. No, they were calling pass plays, and the way Virginia Tech was playing defense, Kaya had an audible to running plays. Okay. okay. Their, Virginia Tech's game plan was uh-huh. to take the big pass play away from Miami. Okay. And and, and make them – Make them have to run the ball down the field. Now, I'm sure Bud Foster wasn't counting on <laughs> it playing out the way it did. But, no, but you know, Miami was putting up in the Cincinnati game 10 yards of play. You can't – I mean, if, 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 if they're getting 10 yards of play, you can't uh-huh. stop that. So, you know, they were looking to, to, to make them run the football. Um, I just think they expected to do a better job stopping it. Okay. I, I was just looking. I said, "Man, it's like, you know, I don't know." Kaya just looking nervous out there. For, it's like, don't lose. Oh, the game. he was great. I mean, he was great. Okay. I mean, he, he's a freshman quarterback. He oh, made all the right I, calls. Uh, he, he made he made all the right calls at the line of scrimmage. When he was blitzed a couple times when they were throwing the ball, he delivered man, the ball right pass. on the money. Oh, the guys leveling oh, him. I mean, making big throws to Duke Johnson on third down and that touchdown play before the half where he was released the ball early and threw a perfect pass. Kaya was phenomenal. Right. I, 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 from my point, I, I, I agree with that. That's why I'm going to see him again. I'm going to see him this week. At the, I got my green shirt, my son, my whole family going. So we're going to be oh, down good. there. You know, but uh, like I said, I'm, you know, and plus I'm thinking of Duke Johnson last year in a way. So, and my son loved Duke Johnson. So we're going down there. From to see Duke Johnson again, so that. Um, yeah, but that's you know. And another thing is, I'm gonna call you. I'm gonna tell you again. Um, I heard earlier in the um, early in the week. I mean, earlier tonight, you were saying some of the players, um, like the guy from uh, Onwood High School, the defensive end. Um, uh, we could get them players. I mean, but what I'm at here is Gator County. That's what we call it, it's Gator County up in this my Tampa area. They big on the Gators. I, I don't know what it is. Yeah, but the, you know, the Canes have always done well in Tampa. Yeah, at certain schools, but Onwood, it's like Onwood and Plant. They pretty much like okay. They like the upper schools. I'm, I'm just being on Onwood, Plant. Um, they like big upper schools. You know, people put money into their program, and uh, and uh, like I say. Onwood, they got a good a lot of good players. I mean, I mean the guy is like he's a he's a beast, but he's like bigger than everybody. I mean, I see this kid. This kid is bigger. This some. I mean, he's a big guy. You know what I mean? Uh, so, but a lot of them kids, they they would like to go to Miami, but it's like, oh, it's like okay, they already been taught you going to the Gators. There's, there's no Florida, there's no Florida State, there's no Miami. You going to the Florida Gators? That's 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 all. Well, that, Gator uh, recruiting's a mess right now, and it's only going to get worse when they fire Muschamp, with all the uncertainty over who the coach is going to be. So there's a great opportunity right now for Miami to dominate. That's what I'm saying. Right now to get into it, southern part yeah. of the state, and they need uh-huh. to capitalize on it. They need to capitalize on it. You know. Yeah, and, 
That that's the big point. While Florida State, while the Gators down right now, they need to be going after this. They need to put the whole Golden don't need to rest and get this kid. This kid did. But I'm gonna tell you right now, they they should not sleep on that kid. They should not. They should stay on this kid every day, all day long. Is that kid from that quarterback? I seen this kid play. I I'm telling y'all, this kid go get Kaya run for his money. He is the. I'm tell you, I, I'm I love Kaya. I, I would like to have both of them cats, them cats in and out, or they just well, they got to admit it. They just got to keep them now. They, they just got to keep that kid is he is for this last game. I think he had almost 100 some yards rushing. He put the whole team on his back. This kid is phenomenal. I'm just letting everybody know we got to keep this kid at Hillsborough. Uh, every chance I get, I'm gonna go up there and keep flashing the U stuff to him because I mean. And he's big on the U. That's what I'm saying. That's Hillsborough High School. They, they're more the project. They, 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 they like, they like Miami. Just, just well, putting that out there. You were throwing time about so, recruiting a minute ago. Right now, Florida is ranked number 69 in the country in the rivals team rankings and recruiting. You think Will Must? You think Will Muschamp's getting fired <laughs> after, very, very soon? Probably after he loses Georgia this week. Um, oh wow. man, that is crazy. I, I, believe me, I'm, I'm Florida, I'm, number sixty-nine in the country in recruiting, and everybody in the Canes Nation thinks that they have problems. All right, man. Hey, you got anything for tonight? No, that's it, man. Um, I'll be down there. Is you throwing a tailgate or anything? Just want to make sure you're not throwing a I tailgate don't party. Tailgate. You got a twelve thirty game, so it's gonna be hard for people to tailgate. But you know, you get out there by ten o'clock. There'll be a few people out there with you. All right. Okay, I'll be out there. All right, man. Hey, thanks for calling. All right, Gary. All okay. right. We're going to try to fit a few more calls in tonight. Let's go now to the 305. You're now live on Kane Sport Live. How are you tonight? Hey, Gary. How are you? Schmeyer 55. Wow, you're usually in early. You're getting in at the end tonight. What you got? What's going on? I know. Fantasy basketball draft, but I, I got in there, Gary. <laughs> there you go. You know, Gary, just so you know, with last week's game, you know, it was a Absolutely, probably one of the best games I've probably watched in the last five years, but it absolutely makes you more, a little bit angry knowing how much talent that this team actually has. And to watch something like that just says, you know, what could have been, and you said something before, you know, we basically not wasted Duke Johnson's career, but basically it's not memorable. The kid didn't even, he played never even won a bowl game. So it's, no, it's, ama- it's you know, amazing. You know, yeah, I mean, you think of all the elite players that have played at Miami and, and what they played for. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 kind of amazing, you know. It's borderline sickening. <laughs> I can tell you all that. because of problems on the defensive side of the ball, you know, predominantly. Yeah. I know. And, like, we've talked about this numerous times, and I don't see anything – in the pipeline coming, changing that, unless you see a different uh, coordinator, and I'm not going to get start speculating about no, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, don't go, we don't have time to go there. No, there you know, that's not but, my style. But, but, but you, you can safely say that in, you're sitting here in year four, pretty much in the same place where you were in year one on defense. Right, and, and just with 2015 and 2016 coming along, we don't have anything in the pipeline to say anything's going to change. So, no, absolutely, absolutely not. You're, you're totally right. That's what's um, got to change. Like, well, you know, we'll see what Coach Golden decides to do. Yeah, exactly. And just, uh, just you know, sometimes, as, you know, with Brad Kaya, I was overly impressed with, you know, his progressions and what he's doing. And just with quarterbacks and just what we've seen in the past with Stephen Morris and, I dare say, Ja'Cory Harris, 
when they, you know, they always held the ball and they made those critical errors. If you see with this kid, he's a student of the game. I mean, this kid, he throws the ball away. He knows when to not take a sack. And it's just live to see another play and just do well. And this kid, it, it, it's unbelievable the maturity that that kid is showing out there. It's really, it's unbelievable almost what's going on. Yeah, it really, it is. Yeah. I mean, he must have thrown the ball away three or four times. You know, and the next play, you see him throw a touchdown. Duke Johnson runs for a touchdown. And those are, that's, that's the difference between wins and losses. Opposed yeah, to you just sit there, you're, you're just watching him develop week after week, and he just keeps getting better and better. Yeah. And, Garrett, what do you, you know, just with the inconsistencies on the defensive side of the ball, I mean, last week they were game. I mean, and obviously we're looking at it in that Virginia Tech team. I mean, the quarterback couldn't even throw the ball 20 yards down the field without – well, I mean, they, yeah, they're gang tackling. They have four or five tacklers tackling the guy. They're making plays all over the field. I mean, is it the inconsistency? Was it a different game plan? I think, plan? I think well, they I were mean, mentally into the game. They were mentally into the game, and I think that the the game plan was really good. And it, it, it got them active and, and playing in, in the right state of mind, and they did a great job in the first half. I mean, is there any really excuse? I mean, you're only playing 10 or 11 games a year. Is there any reason not to be always mentally prepared for a game? I mean, uh, no, I mean, not if you want to compete for championships. I, 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 would, I guess so. Um, what was my last point there, Gary? Let's see. 12.30 on Saturday. That's a little disappointing. And, oh, by the way, Gary, can you explain to me how there's a 17-point spread in this game? Am I – Am I? are we well, – it's because of the way the Miami offense is playing and how bad North Carolina is on defense. I mean, nobody can see how North Carolina is going to stop Miami, and they shouldn't be able to. Uh, you know, I mean, but Miami, Miami should score fifty points in this game, Robert. Yeah, I mean, I <laughs> can't tackle. They don't have they don't have playmakers. They're stiff. I mean, it, it should be like a video game. I mean, Miami I've, should score. I've successfully bet North Carolina the last three weeks, and they've covered all three times, and they're not. Well, they might that cover this week too because they could score also. I mean, they you know, they were. Miami took, gets, they took Notre Miami gets Dame. 50, they just got to get thirty-three, right? And they might. They took Notre Dame until the la- into the last three or four minutes of that game. They lost by a touchdown. They were leading in the fourth quarter. They beat <laughs> Georgia Tech. Uh, a team that dominated Miami basically at the end of that game, and then they won last week in Virginia, which was a pretty big win. So you're not, you you're not score seeing. Their Notre a, Dame game? Did you see the score of their Notre Dame game? Fifty to forty-three. Fifty to forty-three. Yeah, they lost by a touchdown. Yeah, right. and they were winning, and they they were winning by seven, and, and they put forty-eight up at Georgia Tech. So. I, 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 Gary, I watched all the games. This is not, I mean, they, and they seem to give up a lot of points early, but always have the ability to come back. But that quarterback is good. He's a runner. I mean, in the past, and I say this very, you know, <laughs> in the past, running quarterbacks have always seemed to give Miami a little bit more problems than po- pocket passers. I mean, kind of banged up, not... He's a little banged up, Robert. That's another effect. Oh, but, uh, but, yeah, so that's making a 17-point spread is not going to be easy in this game. And I guarantee you there will be some smart, wise guy money going in on North Carolina. All right, hey, I want to try to fit one more call in tonight. All right, Gary. Maybe I'll be out there on Saturday. Yeah. All right, yeah, give us give us a call next Tuesday night. Good talk All to right, you. have a good one. You too. All right, final call of the night. Let's go out to the 813 L11. Hello? 
catch up with you uh, next week. Um, let's try the. Um, I don't want to just try to make sure nobody's been on hold here for a long time. Um, all right, let's try the uh, five four zero. You're now live on Kane Sport Live. How you doing tonight? Are you with us? Going once, going twice. All right, let's try the uh, three oh five. You're now live on Kane Sport Live. How you doing tonight? <laughs> Same thing we ran into last last week at the end of the show. Seven two seven. You are now live on Kane Sport Live. That's you. Going once. Going twice. Okay. Um, let's see if we got anybody left here. Let's do um, the step three. Um, you are now live on Kane Sport Live. How you doing tonight? All right. Nobody wants to talk. So, um, well, let me see. Let's try the 845. You're now live on Kane Sport Live. Are you with us? All right. Well, I guess on that note, we'll um, we'll call it a wrap. I think we've pretty much covered everything there is to cover tonight. Great calls all night, guys. Another phenomenal show. See what happens this weekend against North Carolina. It could be a shootout if um, if their quarterback is healthy enough to uh, execute at the level that he normally does. Um, don't be surprised if you see Miami score in the 50s and uh, Carolina get into the at least the 30s. So uh could be a lot of points scored at Sun Life Stadium on Saturday. But um, thank you again to everybody who participated. Hope you guys who listened enjoy the show, and we will speak to you again next Tuesday night. 